Recorded in the comfy confines of the Auto Media Group Studios, we bring you the Get Deep Podcast, part of the Connect Podcast Network. Join friends and business owners Aaron Jones and Wes Otto as they bring forth stories of guests who are movers and shakers in their industries and beyond. All right, folks, tonight we have my good friend, Mike Hahn, who happens to be the director of the Small Business Development Center. So I guess you could kind of say my boss, but I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, or my your boss. <laughs> you're, you're a contractor. You get to do yeah, anything you, you want to do. Just I make like sure that. you do it, okay? <laughs> That's a good setup. But Mike, uh, Mike, you're a great guest to have on because you got perspectives not only from here, but across the whole Midwest region. And like many of our guests, you've got the business background, right? You've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs in your time, so... Yeah, it's going to be good. Yeah. You know, I kind of describe myself as kind of a builder of entrepreneurs and communities because I kind of have a, a dual career. Um, half of my time was spent in small business development and the other half was spent in downtown development. So, Perfect. so that's kind of my my uh, strengths as far as in careers. And I don't know how we got so lucky to have Mankato end up lure you in, but thank God for that. We are really fortunate to have you in the role that you have at the SPDC. But before we get too deep into that, let's talk about Mike Hahn and who the heck he is, right? Yeah, yeah. So, well, as you know, I'm one of them. Yeah. Them being an Iowa native. Yeah. Uh, but I grew up in Mason City. So if you talk to anybody from Iowa, they're kind of like, Mason City, isn't that part of Minnesota? <laughs> because all our, you know, all, all the local television stations, radio stations, things like that, that we listened to back in the day, uh, many of them were from southern Minnesota. Um, so I've spent a lot of time in southern Minnesota from the standpoint that I had an aunt and uncle that uh, ran the town tavern in Pine Island, just north of Rochester. So I spent a lot of time there. And so, you know, jabbing back and forth between Mason City and, and uh, Rochester up to uh, Pine Island was kind of a regular thing in my family. And I just learned recently that the Hormel Institute, you know, you drive by this place, it's across from a hog, you know, where they produce bacon and spam and things mm, like that. You're thinking, thinking, wow. Yeah, you would think, wow, you know, so must be some type of research institute for, you know, uh, uh, some type of livestock operation. Here it is. It's actually a cancer uh, research facility, which I just found out a few weeks ago, which I think is just amazing. Yeah. Always wow. learning something new. That's wow. very neat. So you mentioned your aunt and uncle had some background in entrepreneurship. What about your parents? What, what did they do? Well, you know, I, I'm being a, a tail in the baby boomers because uh, of the fact that uh, my wife and I were kind of, we, we, we consider ourselves being boom Xers. Okay. So there's actually a decade apart between my, Next sibling and me, I was part of a family of four. So um, grew up in Mason City. Uh, my dad was actually in law enforcement for many years. Um, he worked for the Iowa Highway Patrol back in the day and then went into uh, work for a local sheriff in Saragota County, which is based out of Mason City and was a deputy for many years. Um, my hero in my life, and I'll get into that a little bit later. And my mom was, uh, you know, just a typical household mother. She just made sure everything was fine, and if things required her to go work, she would usually work part-time, basically in retail or maybe doing school lunches or things like that, and never learned how to drive until she was 68 years old, so later in life. They're both deceased right now, but uh, uh, just uh, wonderful wonderful parents, and uh, I have uh, two brothers, um, one's deceased, and I have an older brother who's 71 that I'm going to check into this coming Christmas break to see how he's doing. He's down in Fairfield, Iowa. And then my sister, who is, uh, uh, she's actually nine years older than me, 
So she still lives in Mason City with her family. Did I hear you call? So Mike and I were on a call earlier today, so I get the, the blessing of getting to see him <laughs> twice in one day. But uh, did you say your, your older brother is 71 years old? He is. Yep. So how far apart does that put you and him? Um, that's good. My, my backwards way of asking yeah. how old Mike is. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be basically a good 15 years, something like okay. that. Okay. Yeah, sure. yeah. So, um, yeah, he had a... An incident this past, he went to, he's a University of Iowa grad. And there's another story I'll get into a little bit later. But uh, sure. um, big Hawkeye, so he went to the first game of the season. And he said he fell. I think something else happened, and he slipped on a on a curbing, and he uh, Ouch. busted his shoulder. So Ouch. he had Ouch. shoulder reconstruction and his surgery. So I want to check and see how he's doing. Well, that's good of you. And before we move deeper into that, I'll just say, because I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme, it's fine that you're from Iowa. It's just it's not okay <laughs> if you're from you. Wisconsin. <laughs> because I see you at Vikings games, and that's the only part that oh, matters. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I've been to more Twins and Vikings games than most Minnesotans. Well, so. there you go. I like it. So, you chose so, the right yeah. side. There's no think, hate right? here. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, no yeah. hate. My, yeah. my, actually, my honeymoon, I got married in September of 1987, and uh, I was able to get Ooh. tickets to the World Series game. Nice. Wow. So we spent uh, a nice evening up watching the Twins take on... The Cardinals, if I recall, and okay. uh, it was a it was a great that that was just a great series back in the day. So that's nice. cool. I don't remember it much. I was one, but <laughs> to put things in perspective, Wes was not born yet. I was an egg and a sperm separate. So <laughs> that's about how old I was. Well, uh, one, one thing one thing I think I've been been blessed with is that I've always had the ability to work within uh, college students and also with the people who are you know at least half my age. So they always, I, I, I think they always kind of kept me a little bit sharp and always kept me up with things. So when it came to moving from Blackberries to iPhone, uh, <laughs> they helped me with that. So sure, yep. Well, oh. it's good to it's good to embrace those things, right? You know, you get some people who um, fight come, change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, come from the old school mentality, and that's the way it is, and that's the way I was taught, and that's the way I'm going to do it, especially in a leadership role. But for yep. those who are open minded. You don't have to accept everything, but you should at least kind of navigate the waters of where it's going, right? I mean, yep. would you say that's something you have to do repeatedly in your roles? Yeah, you do. I mean, I, I kind of uh, state that I'm kind of the person to get called in. I mean, I, I'm I'm one of those individuals that they say that it can't be done. I said, watch me, <laughs> I like um, that. and I and I like to do that to the standpoint that uh, that it that it that it can be done. I've been kind of called in as being a specialist to turn things around. Mm-hmm in different organizations through my career as well. Do you enjoy that? I do. I think as I've gotten older, I'm, my patience kind of wearing on me a little bit more. Sure. Uh, but um, um, I do enjoy it. Um, I, I might get a little bored after a while. So I think that's the reason why I have a tendency to kind of, okay, what's the next challenge? What's right. the thing that I want to do? I mean, my dad was in law enforcement for 31 years. And, you know, i I'm probably on my seventh job in that same time period. I mean, over the past right. 40 years as well. So, so can we touch on that? How, what was it like to be raised by someone that was a cop, a police officer, state patrol? Well, you know, um, there's a story behind that from the standpoint that my dad was a world war two combat vet and, uh, he was involved in the Italian campaign. He was a forward, forward observer for an artillery unit uh, they went into the uh, Italian um, invasion um, on July 9th, 1944. So a few days after uh, D-Day, yeah. 
they were north of Rome. They got a little bit ahead of the lines. They were in a Jeep. And uh, in those days, you would have uh, a corporal who would be driving it. You had a captain on the right-hand side who was the officer. And then you would have two private first classes in the back. My dad always told me that because uh, he was the radio man, he always wanted to sit on top of the radio. And uh, they, ran, they, ran, they got too far ahead of the lines at the time, and they ran over a tank mine. So um, the gentleman, the captain, and the other private on the right-hand side were killed instantly on that date, July 9th, 1944. Uh, the gentleman who was driving the Jeep was paralyzed from the waist down for the rest of his life. And my dad uh, was blown from the radio and lost his foot, basically Ooh. from the knee down. And, you know... Um, I saw pictures of him after he passed away because he kind of told these old war stories. And I would also say that I was raised by the greatest generation because his unit was so close that they would get together every two years in Clear Lake, Iowa. And these guys would come from California, Oklahoma, New York state, and they would have their, their armor reunion. And, you know, I got to know these guys really well and, and uh, raised me to the level that, uh, you know, I, I respect the greatest generation, but uh, he was the type of guy that, like I said, he's my hero from the standpoint that, uh, you know, you know, you know, he never took no, and um, he would go out. Uh, he was in law enforcement, worked for the Iowa Highway Patrol for twenty four years. Then his high school classmate, who was, became sheriff in Saratoga County, said, "You know, Lowell, the first name was Lowell. Why don't you become?" deputy for me so he went and worked for for him as well but I think he had a prosthetic leg um, he remembers one time when somebody bit him in the leg it was a female inmate and, and threw her dentures out and say you know you dirty cop you you have a wooden leg and the sheriff came in the next day and this was during you know Dutch elm diseases when they were putting x's on the trees and the sheriff said Han you know, roll up your pant leg and let's throw an X on your wooden leg. So, <laughs> so um, and, you know, the, the other thing that uh, he, he never lit it, he tried to get 100% disability in this day, he would have been 100% disabled. But he was always in that 85, 90 range. Never made a big deal about it. But the thing that impacted me the most was uh, when the um, uh, disabled uh, license uh, first came out in the 70s. I remember him opening the letter in the mail and there was, there was a card for a disabled uh, parking space he says nobody needs to know I'm handicapped and threw it in the garbage can mm. so different time different generation and yeah. those are some of the things that uh, both my siblings and I have kind of been raised by well I would say you know obviously he was in multiple roles all within kind of the same genre same yep. type of field where he was a protector right yeah. he was fighting for either a principal or a, a people that he loved. Yeah. And just knowing you, Mike, he obviously passed that down because even in your role, um, your work-life balance and the amount of time that you spend with family and how you commit to doing what you do for family is, is obviously something that was passed down from your father. Yeah. I mean, from the standpoint, he, you know, my, my siblings tell me that I got the benefit of being uh, later in life because he kind of mellowed. Um, <laughs> my, my oldest brother, uh, Chuck, his first name was Charles, was a World War II era veteran. He wanted to be just like dad. Well, you know, he got out of the service and hits, got addicted to things. 
and I really never held a job and really hurt my parents from the standpoint that mentally he had some issues that were going on as well. Uh, he passed away in 2013, but um, um, never really got to the potential that he should have been. And, you know, um, if it wasn't for my oldest brother, I'd probably be a cop today, and I probably would have been in the service because I was told by these guys, um, being the veterans, and, and I respect veterans, I respect them like crazy, especially those that serve combat, that uh, I was kind of talked out of it. You know, you're sure. not going to serve because of what happened to your brother, and we already uh, gave too much to this country, and we just want you to kind of do your own thing. It's understandable on your parents' yep. part. When did yep. your parents pass away? Well, my dad actually died pretty young. He uh, passed away at age 61 of lung cancer back in 1988. So uh, he uh, did get to see my wife and I marry. And, you know, that's the other better half of me. I, I, I need to mention my wife, Bonnie. We've been married since 1987. Is so. it Bonnie or Bon Bon? Wow. <laughs> Let's get it straight. It's Bonnie Jo. I got I to gotta imagine she's going to listen. So and I she's probably, I mean, out. with my mom being gone now, she's the only one. Although I'm, I'm told in my office now that there's two other employees that call me Michael. But she's the only one that calls me Michael to my face. And when I hear that, I know I'm in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to pull that out at some point. <laughs> but, but everybody calls her Bon Bon because she's just, uh, she's, uh, you know, good old Midwest farm girl from the standpoint that, uh, you know, she's blonde, she's fair skinned. Uh, and she's just uh, the most friendliest individual that you could ever meet. She is. She's an yep. absolute sweetheart, and I yep. love it every time I get a chance to see her and catch <laughs> up with her. She loves you, Wes. Well, the feeling's mutual. <laughs> doesn't. Look at him. <laughs> feeling's mutual. So she's a real sweetheart. But married in 87, Dad got a chance to see uh, you guys get married. Yeah, and, and um, you know, I worked for hy V for during that period from 1979 1989. Uh, I graduated from uh, the University of Northern Iowa, 87. Uh, my dad wasn't doing well. My, wife, my, my mom wasn't doing well after his departure. And um, so I decided, well, I'm going to wait. And so I stuck around in Mason City for a few years. And she was getting better. And um, I got a call from a lady in Waverly, Iowa. It says, Mike, you know, you applied for this job called Main Street. You know what it's about? It's like, yeah, it's about downtown development. So what do you know about downtown development? It's like, you know, I mean, I kind of have a passion for downtown because as a kid, you guys got to remember this, my mom never drove. So my dad took the car to work every day. So I would get on public transit in little old Mason City, Iowa. And we would make our way to downtown Mason City and we'd go to Raises Department Store. We'd go up to Montgomery Wards, over to, you know, uh, Gildner's for Men. And then we would basically end up at uh, Osco Drug. And then we would have to head over to Fairway, which is an Iowa grocery store. And that's where my dad would meet us. And that was like a whole day. And this was like a (laughs) once a week trip. So I was kind of raised in downtown. So I said, yeah, that's pretty cool. I want to look into that a little bit more. You know, I already had like 10 years of Hy-Vee. And they were kind of putting me on the fast track to kind of become, you know, system manager someplace. And, And I kind of like, well, you know, I think I want to do this. So I became... Director of Main Street Waverly. Uh, Waverly is a community in Northeast Iowa, very similar to St. Peter, close to 10,000 population, a little bit smaller, but the home of Wartburg College, another Lutheran college, yeah. very yep. similar to Gustavus. And um, 
just uh, really had a great time there as far as spent uh, five years there uh, doing downtown development work. And Main Street's pretty, pretty uh, big in the state of Iowa from the standpoint it's a program that came out of the farm recession in the 1980s as a way to help revitalize communities, especially rural communities, those under 50,000 in population. And it's unique because of the fact that it, it utilizes historic preservation. You know, a lot of people look at historic preservation as tree huggers, building huggers, <laughs> things like that. Now, it utilizes historic preservation as an economic development tool to help regenerate generate life within a downtown district. So, did that for in Waverly for a few years, and then I get a call from a friend. It says, uh, Waterloo wants to do a downtown development agency. So, Waverly's population, 10,000. Waterloo's a bigger city population, about 65,000. Really um, um, industrial type of city. Um, you know, we were kind of coming right off of uh, the farm depression. This would have been the mid-90s, so they seen their population go from 85,000 to around 65, 70,000. So the city was pretty much hurting, and the downtown was, oh, boy, it was pretty rough. So I got called in, and, you know, let's take a look at it. And here they had, like, four different downtown development agencies working on one district. So um, it was one of the hardest challenges in my life is working with all those different type of people and uh, saying, hey, we can do this as one entity. And uh, it became Main Street Waterloo, and the program's still around today. It started in 1996. So pretty Very cool neat. from that standpoint. How far is Waterloo from Waverly? 12 miles. 12 so, miles. Yep. The same distance as... Mankato is the St. Peter. Very okay. much at yep. St. Wow. Peter than yep. with uh, yep. Waverly. How did you, how was that challenge to get those agencies? You said there was four other agencies when you arrived yep. to get on the same page, quote unquote, or to right. maybe see in the same direction. That must have been super challenging, especially w- you're the new guy in the scene, right? Yeah. You're, you're 12 miles away. Yeah, but, you know, not really, really the expert. Um, so... I was involved as kind of being the person that says, you know, hey, I'm going to hold your hand through this process. I'm going to walk you through it. We're going to make sure it's done right. Um, One of the things about the Main Street program in Iowa, maybe a little bit different in other states, is that it's housed within the um, Department of Economic Development. So Iowa's version of the Department of Employment and Economic Development, as we have in Minnesota. So it's looked upon a little bit differently. It's looked upon as an economic development tool, more so than a historic preservation tool. So one of my other favorite favorite mentors, Thomas Guzman, this is a guy from Oakland, California. He's Hispanic, moved to California, moved to Iowa, got to know him very well. He's a great friend, uh, was a state director for Main Street, Iowa for many decades. And with him, I was able to utilize him as a facilitator, kind of get these groups together. And we would meet Saturday mornings consistently for about three months. And we were able to get everybody comfortable enough and says, okay, we're going to put these entities together. Hmm. And uh, we also had a strong mayor from the standpoint, his name was Mayor John Roof. He's still around. And uh, he was kind of the person says, you know, this is ridiculous. You know, we have a dying downtown. We have four entities working on it. And, you know, I mean, when people go to Waterloo, you kind of scratch your head, but they've been able to bootstrap things. I mean, it's been very successful. They have a public market area. They have a, a, Wonder Bread Bakery that's been turned into a brewery. That's cool. Restaurant. It's very, very cool. Um, they have a, you know, one of the developers there kind of got in a little bit of a tizzy with him when I was there because he built this brand new building on the edge of town out in 
I call it generica. So it kind of looks like Madison Avenue by River Hills, you know. Oh, yeah. that yep. just a knife to the heart, Aaron. You realize both of us own businesses on Madison. Sorry, you guys need to move downtown. Yeah, let's, let's pause. Or maybe, for maybe. A Here's a better way to put it. Maybe Madison Avenue needs to change its look. That's true. It that I'm on board center. There we go. Don't Amen. make us move. There we Those go. Those property values are pretty good. <laughs> Sorry to cut you guys down, but uh, it's okay. We okay. can handle it. Okay. Okay. But um, from the standpoint that you know it hit him pretty hard too because now he's the biggest property owner in downtown waterloo and he's doing historic preservation projects in downtown waterloo owns many buildings downtown so pretty cool from that aspect they got they redone a a decade-long television station kww nbc affiliate used to be an old uh auto auto uh uh, loaders for model t type of uh dealerships totally redone that rehab it great looking building they have high-tech companies there as far as everything from uh, production companies to software development companies, which are located downtown as well. So i got to ask you a question. Sure. You graduated from UNI. Yeah, hey, go Panthers. Right. Purple and gold. <laughs> a lot of yeah. similarities. Close Minnesota enough. State, Mankato. Close enough, right? Yep. Um, but you did your bachelor's in public relations manage- and image <laughs> management, right? Yeah. So I, I know you talked about your time downtown, but was that the only impetus as to why you decided to kind of pivot? I mean, public relations can be applied in a lot of different ways, but, you know, what was your thought process when you went into <laughs> that degree path versus what you decided to pursue professionally? You know, it was actually kind of a, a cop-out. And what I mean by that is that uh, I had an option. I was going for a marketing degree. So um, you got to remember, I was in the last tail in the baby boomers. So much so that I was tripled in a dorm room for one semester at UNI. Wow. I mean, you think of two people living in a dorm room. In the same size room as you'd have a double? Yep. So I was tripled. And um, so the classes that I needed to take would have meant that I would have had to stay an extra semester. So my advisor says, you know, there's this other program you can take a look at. It's in the Department of Communications called Public Relations. So I said, yep, I'm there because I was just getting burnt out at the time with the Get it done. undergraduate work and decided that uh, this is what I'm going to do. And um, I kind of looked at it and, and really, you know what, Wes and Aaron, it's been a great degree because I've learned so much. I mean, I got to admit, back in the late 80s, we were utilizing 35 millimeter film, uh, carousel projectors, uh, T. Um, uh, T slides, you know, as far as putting putting presentation together, we didn't have anything PowerPoint was like what what was that? But <laughs> um, but uh, having those communication skills and kind of being that relationship builder and learning how to work with people that provided a uh, good background as well. No, that makes sense. Yep. So Waterloo, not Waterloo. too dissimilar from Mankato. Oh, I don't know. It's it's Well, actually let me let me back up. It was Waverly that was not too dissimilar from St. Peter. Right. But right. Waterloo has its own differences. But Waterloo also has a sister city. Um, so very similar to Mankato, North Mankato. It's a Cedar Falls. Oh, so Mankato okay. itself is very similar to Cedar Falls. It's where the University of North Iowa is located. And I always tell my Minnesota friends that you know, I feel like just like you guys, because guess what? I graduated from a teacher's college. What was Minnesota State Mankato? A teacher's college. Right. Their colors purple and gold. Our colors is purple and gold. Yeah. So um, many similarities, applied science. I mean, when I worked, I, I did work for the University of Northern Iowa for about a decade. And we went through the same situation as far as 
know, can we get can we get some you know intellectual property out of the university? Well, we're an applied science university. We don't really have an engineering program, which you and I MSU does, but we really didn't have one at you sure. and I. So um, it was a little bit different from that perspective, but Mankato itself is very similar to Cedar Falls. Sure. So I don't want to jump over too much if there's more you want to cover in Waterloo, but you eventually made your way out of Iowa. Yeah, I did. You went to another state that's north, but not quite as great as Minnesota. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I I lived on the um, east side of I-29, so technically the people in North Dakota probably thought I lived in Minnesota. North Dakota. (laughs) No doc, as we would call it up there. But um, um, yes, I did. I'm I'm just going to kind of just come back to Waterloo, um, I had an opportunity to go back and do what I always wanted to do, and that was, geez, I would just love to work in my hometown. So I had an opportunity to go up to Mason City, and I got to know the community development director up there. His name is Tark Monier, and he says, I'm going to bring you on as a city planner. It's like, yeah, great. And I did it for about a year Absolutely hated it based on the fact that all these people that I idolized when I was a kid, it's like I was working with them as far as within leadership positions. It's like, hey, what's the deal with these people? They just don't get it. So what did I they had, get? Pardon me? What didn't they get? Um, change, you know, that we had to do things differently. Um, give you an example. Um, they were really looking at, I don't know, you guys probably heard of the musical, The Music Man. Yeah. Meredith Wilson, that's Mason City's yep. his hometown. Uh, we had a band shell in a very nice park, very very similar to Sibley Park. They okay. call it East Park there. And they wanted there was a group in the community that wanted to, a lot of community leaders that wanted to rip it down and build this huge pavilion that would have taken out just so many trees within the park. And you know, city staff, we said no, no way. You know, we kind of worked with our planning and zoning commission. This is where we got uh, the. Um, Historic Preservation Commission established. And we found out later on that this this little white wooden um, band shell, which had been in the community for decades, it was the last place where Meredith Wilson actually um, conducted our, a band at. So it was like, yeah, this thing's significant. And they've been able to save it. And it's really, really kind of a, you know, it's like really people were thinking about this, but now, my town kind of did a Mankato back in the day. My hometown did, and that is they demolished a good portion of their downtown for a downtown mall. We can get into that a little bit later. Sure. I so. saw that. Was there a Music Man mural down there, too? I feel yeah. like there is one. Yeah, there's a Music Man Square, which is yeah. it's kind of a indoor uh, museum, which is uh, yep. related to uh, his Merrick Wilson's uh, life. Yeah, so I dated a girl that was from um, Mason City. That was our hometown, and she... So no was, wonder you like me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but she was a, a med school student in uh, Chicago, but her hometown was Mason City, and so we would meet up because that was a nice intermediary place. And um, yeah, so I got to see that same museum and actually explore Mason City a little bit. Right. She also, and not to be negative on your hometown, but she also mentioned something about there's just a, a really bad, and this is probably true of most of the Midwest, but there's a really bad drug problem yeah. specifically in that community though, right? Yeah, it is. Um, you know, it's 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 one of those communities. I mean, Mason City was kind of built by um, immigrants. It really took off in the early 20th century as far as being a large city, a meatpacking community at one time as well and 
you know, there's quite a lot of drug traffic that flows from Chicago, Des Moines, Kansas City, all the way up to the Minneapolis or Mason City. So there is a huge drug problem issue there. Yeah, and it's pr- pretty pr- prevalent all across the Midwest yep. at this point. Yep. But, yeah. So I had an opportunity to go back to Waterloo Cedar Falls, and I jumped on it and uh, got to work for the University of Northern Iowa. When I worked for Main Street Waterloo, we received some Economic Development Administration funds to rehab, <laughs> coincidentally, an old Osco store that stood vacant. I remember going up there and chasing raccoons out of the building. Mm, fun. <laughs> but... Um, um, into a business incubator. So we made it into an accelerator with about eight side spots and a, back then a computer lab. For folks that don't know what an accelerator is. Basically, it's a place where businesses, startup businesses can go. They can get free or reduced rent. and They would work with us as a university because the EDA, would they sponsored that for 15 years. And we were able to get them launched to the next level. Was there a specific focus to this particular incubator? Um, we try to work with service-based businesses and keep them within downtown. Um, there's one business um, owned by Andrew Van Fleet. I believe he changed the name of the company, so I can't recall the name of the company right now. But um, Andrew is one of those guys that uh, in 15 years ago was uh, up-and-comer as far as where website development work, and now he owns a building in downtown Waterloo and employs about 25 people. Very cool. So, yeah. Why uh, Why service? Was that something that just really fit with you and I and the programs that they were working on? Or was there a yeah, niche that, for that? That was, that was based on the grant through the Economic Development Administration. Okay. Um, you know, service-based businesses. And well, I ask because Mankato is working on all kinds of different initiatives. And you always ask the question of, well, where do we plant our flag? And obviously there's green team going yep. on, but there's also manufacturing and there's medical. And yep. there's so many different areas. And so it's always interesting to me to figure out why you know folks plant their flag the way that they do and yep. I, I think the incubator programs are a great example of this is us deciding this is where we want to focus yeah i mean many of them are kind of uh develop out of uh technology parks with the, with the research institutions like universities right. um, applied science universities like you and i wanted to do it somewhat service related there were some companies that started there i mean we would have guys that would start you know it firms um architectural firms, things like sure. that, that started from that incubator back in the day. So when you went back to work for the home uh, hometown, really? Um, Mason it, City? Yeah. Yep. Uh, but with the UNI, right? Oh, then back to UNI and Cedar Falls, Waterloo. Yeah. Yep. Um, it was the Small Business Development Center then, right? It was a... It was a part of uh, what was called the business, and what what is called business and community services. Okay. So I worked for the university. I wasn't under, I was somewhat under the SBDC, but most of my job was managing the incubator. Okay. And then also launching a program called My Internet, which was a rural uh, online economic entrepreneurship development program. Back in the day. One more time. Rural online. <laughs> online economic <laughs> development program. So so back in the day, we would host, you know, uh, we'd, we'd chat. This was really kind of in the beginnings of... Instant Messenger. Well, kind, kind of at the end of, um, of uh, yeah, Instant Messenger in the beginning of uh, some, some broadband capability because most of the rural areas were dial-in at the time. And we would have uh, topical discussions on everything from how do you organize a business we would have an attorney that would be online to uh, how to market a business. So um, basically it was a way for us to assist uh, some of the rural communities. 
Um, and then I was uh, eventually promoted to senior program manager with the university for working for business and community services, which is very similar to strategic partnership at Minnesota State Mankato. And then I became the SBDC director. How long were you the SBDC director? Um, I started with the university in 2000, SBDC director about 2006. In 2009, when the Great Recession hit. And at that time, you know, I mean, in Iowa, um, I was classified as a professional and scientific staff. So we weren't union. So there were some pretty big decisions that were being made at the university level. And it was right when my kids were all young. We're talking, Oof. we're talking, uh, you know, what, uh, five, 10 and 15. And, um, so, uh, wife and I were kind of looking at things and, and uh, we kind of said, geez, you know, we're looking at a pretty massive pay cut here because they were cutting salaries. They were cutting staff and cutting hours during the great recession. Um, during that time at UNI, I took on running, okay? I was going to try to become a triathlete. Didn't, uh, didn't make it to quite that level. Um, I might get into that a little bit later. I, I had an accident with a bicycle. Yeah. yeah. I think you've heard about that. I have Wes. an audience-submitted question on that front. <laughs> hey, so. we love the audience-submitted questions. So it was June 30th. Uh, 2003, two months after my youngest was born, and I uh, decided, well, you know, I'm going to train for this triathlon, and, and I was pretty, pretty in great shape back then, and uh, I flipped the bicycle over, and I busted both arms. I, I should have talked, but I didn't, and so <laughs> my life kind of flashed in front of me, and next thing I know, I'm in an ambulance going to Satori Hospital in Cedar Falls. Both so, arms. I'm curious yeah. how you, I know the bike flipping, I can, I can picture that, but how did you land? Like this. I was Just trying both to, arms straight yeah, out? I was trying to brace it. Um, I busted the left wrist, and then I busted the right arm pretty good. Were you good. drinking yeah. a lot of milk at this time? Uh, like, how did you? <laughs> I don't know what the deal was, but uh, I, I was going pretty fast. I mean, I was, I hit some loose grass so you were going were you going downhill yeah. at the time too yep did uh how did the rest of your body look because obviously you were you i were thought preventing. i busted i thought i busted my leg but i just had um um what they call it road rash do you have it on your face and stuff too yeah. other places yeah, yeah. pretty pretty so hard i spent the week at satori hospital a and week. i had some surgery done to my wrist and uh you know um I got to say, I had a great staff at the university, and I had some great colleagues at the university because, you know, they donated sick leave to me, and, you know, I was out for like 90 days, Ouch. and I would go back. And well, don't forget to shout out Bon Bon. She yeah, took Bon Bon was great to me, too, because based on the fact, I remember two busted arms, so, you yeah, know, you some can't, of the bodily functions. You can't do much. Yeah. While yeah. you were uh, laid up in there, did you ask them to add on a little here? Take off a little here. Well, I, I think like that. I think, I mean, I think they allowed surgery. me to stay in the hospital a little, <laughs> little bit longer because as soon as they saw my wife with a two month old, they were like saying, "Oh, this guy's going to stick around here a while." Yeah. Oh, so, boy. so Ouch. yeah, I can't imagine that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you like jack your finger up on your hand, or you know, do something weird with a you know, a, you know, writing becomes yeah. difficult. Let me piss and moan about it, but yeah, you're talking about literally not being able to do anything. Yeah, I know. And, and you know, it, it, that's the, crazy. Change, wrist, you got out of changing diapers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, well yeah, I got old, out of that. Were they old but, enough at that <clears> point? Well, oh yeah. I mean, the youngest was, she was like two months old. 
So, oh, look at that. So, okay. so the wife had to change diapers in both her and then me as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bon Bon, which one was worse? Uh, yeah. I think we yeah, know. I know, I know, I know. But, uh, uh, you know, the funny thing about that is that uh, the, the wrist surgery didn't take the first time, so I had to go back in. Oh. And, uh, you know, nursing medical staff were awesome, and I think the world of nurses and things like that. And So I got up the next morning, and, and it was going to be a uh, – I only had to spend a day in the second time around and you know, nurse puts a tray with breakfast on it and, and I'm hungry, you know? So she's like gone. She comes back two hours later and she's like, well, how come you haven't eaten your breakfast? I thought you're hungry. And I looked at my arms and looked at me and she said, Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah. So some, some, some great things happen as far as within Waterloo, as far as you know where you're at, um, you know the people that you that, that love you, that, that have your back. And, um, you know, it was one of those situations that I really didn't want to move, but I did. And um, so getting back to Fargo, how that happened was instead of triathlons, I got in the running. So I did 5Ks, 10Ks, and my running club said, well, we're going to do a marathon, huh? And you want to do this? And I said, yeah, I'll do this. Well, we're going to go up to Fargo because it's really flat. It's like Fargo. So I met an old colleague of mine from Iowa in the Main Street program, Dave Anderson. When I was doing Waterloo, he did Sioux City. He was the director for the Downtown Development Agency in Fargo. And he said, I'm thinking about going working for uh, Merit Care, which is a hospital up there. And he said, would you be willing to take a look at this job? And says, yeah, I'll take a look at it. And and did it and it was a uh, you know it was one of those tough decisions because i didn't know you know how long could we last and it's like well geez they're paying me a heck of a lot more money up there and um made a great bunch of friends up there i met a bunch of great entrepreneurs up there and uh, really enjoyed my time up there so Waterloo population, we said about 65. Waterloo population, 000. about 65 to 70,000. With Waterloo, or with Cedar Falls, you had another 40,000. Went to Metro area, about 125. Okay. And then going to Fargo, Fargo population you have, at the time? Fargo at the time, about 125,000. Um, okay. With Moorhead, West Fargo, Dilworth, uh, about 225,000 okay. total Metro. So, so. a significant 100,000. Yep. Plus people, yep. in addition to what you were doing before, essentially. And it's a different area, so it's not apples to apples, obviously. Yeah. Different state. Different state. And you- there I was tasked with putting together um, uh, what's called a business improvement district. So I was tasked with getting talking property owners to tax themselves. Okay, um, tell us more about that. Uh, many- this was 2010, too, just for context, yeah. right? So this yep. is like somewhat recent right after the Great Recession. Right, right. So, right so a greater at, challenge. Yeah, so so a greater challenge from that standpoint because um, they had a very successful downtown development agency, but they wanted to do more um, maintenance, more sustainable maintenance within the downtown district. And, you know, the city was kind of being looked upon. Well, the city should do, the city should do this. And the city said, oh, oh, don't, you know, we shouldn't do it. What do you mean by sustainable maintenance for those of us who are listening wondering well, what that means? It's, it's taking you downtown to the next level. What I mean by that is um, such things like power washing sidewalks, um, such things as making sure the gutters are totally clean of garbage, 
um, making sure that you have extra security during high demand or high pedestrian times within the downtown district. So um, that's what a business improvement district does for a community. Um, Nicollet uh, Avenue up in Minneapolis has what they call a downtown improvement district. I also think that Rochester has a downtown improvement district as well. So they're called different. In Iowa, they're called self-supported municipal improvement districts. So they're essentially our municipal improvement districts. So it's a public-private partnership. So I was hired as the present CEO for the Downtown Development Agency. So I come into Fargo and I say, hey, Han, we want you have your background in SMIDs in, in Iowa. We want you to do the same thing in North Dakota here in Fargo. So I said, okay, great. Let me take a look at the state code. So we look at the state code and boom, um, we found one problem with state code. It's been in the books since... North Dakota calls it the Century Code. So it's been on the books in North Dakota Century Code since 1989. But there was a population restriction. Communities above $10,000, 10,000 population couldn't have self-supported municipal improvement district. So that was just one minor little detail that kind of put us back about a year. Why did that exist? That seems like a very just random. I don't know. I don't know, Wes. Um, at the time, I think somebody at the one of the larger cities at the time in the '80s didn't wanted to make sure that was on there to make sure that it couldn't happen into a Grand Forks or to a Minot or something sure. like that. It's just so, a blocking move. Yeah, yeah, it was a blocking move. So, um, <laughs> with a good friend of mine, um, Senator Tim Flackle, who's one of the uh, provosts up at North Dakota State University, worked with him in getting the entire state together, basically the larger communities. So the Willistons, the Minots, the Dickinsons, the, the, the Grand Forks. And we were able to kind of put a coalition together and we were able to get it through both the house and the Senate and get it removed. So um, we got the governor to sign it. So then we started the process locally within Fargo. We had 26 different district meetings and we repeated those on two occasions. And um, we started small. Um, there was a lot of people in the community that wanted to start it big. This would have been around 2012, 2013. But we started small. We started with four different zones. So if you think of, you know, I'm not advocating this for Mankato, or, or, but you would think that the core, like, um, um, like Riverfront would be zone A. The area surrounding that uh, would be like a zone B. Then we had a zone C. And, you know, we would reach out to areas like, like this part of Riverfront that uh, Auto Media Group is located at. And it was based on a calculation as far as assessed valuations and square footage as far as the frontage of the buildings. Um, so started very small. Um, everybody in Fargo thought, well, we could do this on our, on our own. <laughs> and I really struggled in the first two years. And then I said, you know what? There are companies out there that, that do this nationwide one of them being a company called block by block out of uh kentucky lexington kentucky i believe and they were doing it in duluth they contracted with duluth they contracted with downtown minneapolis they're both uh, still involved with the program so we contracted with them to basically provide us um with uh, the information that we needed and with the training that we needed to get the right staff on board and it's really taken off if you take a look at downtown fargo probably since 2017, uh, you're probably looking at at least a 2 to $3 billion investment from the private sector within the downtown district. So it's really taken off. 
I've got a buddy that um, left MSU. He graduated MSU, and he took a job for Microsoft out of Fargo. And he keeps trying to convince me to go up there. And you also, Mike, have tried to convince me to go up there just to check it out because it seems like they've really done an amazing job of uh, just revitalizing their downtown. Yeah, you mentioned Microsoft. One of my... Um, uh, I, I just respect the heck out of this gentleman. His name is Doug Burgum. He's the governor for the state of North Dakota. This is a guy that came from a farm in North Dakota, went to North Dakota State, got his degree in general studies of all things, <laughs> persevered, uh, developed a company called Great Plains Software, um, bet the family farm on it, and you know was re- I mean, in the early 2000s was purchased by Microsoft. And the thing I respect the most out of Doug is that, you know, he says, when I build that campus south of town, that was the biggest mistake I ever made in my life. And then he started a company in the mid-2000s called the Kilborn Group. And uh, that was kind of the, the uh, cement from the private sector that says, okay, public sector, we want you involved in downtown development. We're going to invest our money. They have different investments like angel groups that are involved in property development within the downtown district and they're just doing bonkers up there so you you've already touched on it but i think when we think about mankato this is kind of an opportunity that could even happen here so just give us like the ten thousand square foot view of what doug did to help drive the revitalization of of that particular area well doug is a i mean he's a serial entrepreneur i mean you gotta get in the room with that guy, and and uh, I'm surprised that he, he actually got in the politics, but he's been really really good at it, mm-hmm. and good for the state of North Dakota. But you were to walk out of that room and you'd be sweating because you you know that's how fast he had to keep up with him. Um, Doug had a little bit of a I mean, Doug, Doug had kind of a little bit of story like I did. He grew up in downtown Fargo, and and he'd see what happened to it then the you know, the, what we call would call the mall years of the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, how it was declining. So Doug kind of took it on upon himself, his interest as far as learning more about development. And even though his last name is Bergen, Bergam, the name of the company is called the Kilborn Group. It's after his mom, so sure. maiden name. And uh, has developed that company and really taken on several properties. And it's also spurred other development companies within Fargo, and also within the Fargo-Moorhead region, uh, they're even doing downtown development in West Fargo, kind of, uh, that's a suburban community, and say, hey, we need to have a sense of place. We need to have that center place in our community, and they have even taken that on within that community, and also in Moorhead across the river as well. So Doug bought, and, and I'm paraphrasing, and I might even get a lot of this wrong, so yep. please correct me as I go sure. along. Doug bought up a bunch of different properties within downtown. Well, one Fargo. of the first things that he did, Wes, was um, he kind of reflected back. Um, I, I think I got the story straight because I've heard it a few times that, you know, the mistake that he made as far as building the what is now the Microsoft campus south of town. Um, he really wanted to do something for downtown Fargo, so he bought – an old insurance building uh, and a dilapidated um, warehouse building was able to gift it to North Dakota State University. Uh, the insurance building turned into their college of business, so it's located probably about a half a mile away from the main campus. And the old warehouse became their architectural college of architecture. 
and was able to work with the city and the university and say, hey, we're going to develop a transit system that's going to run every seven minutes that's going to connect it to the, to the university. And that wow. was his first that's thing cool. that he did, which he gifted yeah. to the university, and the university was saying, yeah, we're going to do this. And that, that really kind of, wow, that's pretty cool. And then he eventually brought in some really qualified architects from North Dakota State Program, people who are from the area, and say, hey, this is my vision. I can remember one of the visioning programs that he did probably 2012, 2013, which started what is known locally as Block 9. And that's about a $100 million um, multi-story, probably around 16 stories, 14-story building that was built in downtown Fargo on a vacant parking lot. And everybody was like, but we need parking. No, we don't need parking. And he also got into development from a standpoint, learning more about, you know, how things work within the downtown district. Um, worked with an organization in Brainerd, Minnesota called Strong Towns. Got some uh, good education from, from them as well. And also worked with the community, especially with the Convention and Visitors Bureau, and getting people to go to other places like Sioux Falls, like Lincoln, Nebraska, like Winnipeg and get some of the community leaders outside to take a look at other communities and say, here's your competition. This is what they're doing. You know, we need to do something as well. It's really, and really kind of uh, transition downtown to that next level. So I know you and I get into the argument of parking downtown in Mankato, <laughs> and I'm like saying, Jesus, it's too much parking down here, you know? Um, There's a balance for there, sure. There is a balance. There is yeah. a balance for sure. And But parking is done differently. Uh, I mean, from a standpoint that uh, if you're on a, pretty uh, busy street you know right now you know the way parking is done in Fargo is that they're going to build stores that's going to face that street right they're not going to let you see an open side of a parking garage yeah they're not going to let you see black glass of a of a bank or store or something like that it's going to they're going to activate that storefront first and then parking is secondary, but it's going to be hidden behind the building. And that's one thing that Doug's been able to do and uh, kind of uh, seems develop like, some things as well. Seems like common sense design when you really think about it. Well, I mean, you, no you one know, wants to look at a big parking lot. Well, you, you take a look at it, at it, and, you know, the people of the turn of the 20th century, they had it right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that uh, we've kind of gotten too dependent upon the automobile. Well, there's definitely some truth to that, <laughs> yeah. I think now might be a good time to do a quick plug, Aaron. I don't know if I'm beating you to the punch. No, I think we were on the, the same page, Wes. Maybe even on the same paragraph and sentence. Love Isn't it. that beautiful? I love it. God, you're beautiful. Well, let's let's take a moment uh, to go ahead and take a, um, or to give a shout out to our fantastic drink sponsor, uh, spirit sponsor, as we've called them for the longest time uh, since the inception of the Get Deep podcast, Jankaska Ranch Winery. Chankaska Creek Ranch Winery. <laughs> you can tell it's having an effect on Uh-oh. them. And Uh-oh, distillery. This is bad. Yeah, Wes always gets the distillery part because that is actually the thing, Mike, that we wanted to highlight when we first I had Chankaska come on board in and uh, agree to being a sponsor. People know them for their wines, which yep. tonight uh, both Mike and myself are drinking the uh, Reserve Marquette. Very good. Uh, it's delicious. And uh, but we wanted to highlight their Ranch Road series. So Wes and I are also drinking uh, the straight bourbon uh, whiskey as well. So uh, yes, you heard that right. Mike and I 
are enjoying both a glass of wine and some whiskey tonight, guys, because life is about variety and experience. Uh, We're also getting into the holiday season, too. We we also are, yeah. Uh, Do you have anything to share about your drinks uh, tonight, Mike, not to put Uh, you on the spot? The wine is just awesome. You liking that? Yeah, I I think it would go with a a good steak right now. Steak sounds great. Yeah, Wes? Yeah, I'm thinking number four (laughs) might still be over by the time we're done. Why don't we go grab some steaks? Mike's selling me. I I love it. Um, Yeah, I know that that sounds delicious, and I had a quick dinner before we got here tonight, so now I might have to... uh, Make that happen for tomorrow night. But Jen Casca is awesome. If you have never been out there before, folks, uh, it is a wonderful uh, winery, distillery, again, in Casota, Minnesota, just down the road from Mankato uh, towards St. Peter, Highway 22. Um, you know, beverages are great. You can find them in all the, the major liquor stores and and, uh, and whatnot, but also at Minnesota Sporting Events. Or if you really want to have an experience, go out there and check out the grounds, listen to some live music. Uh, if somebody's getting married that you know or yourself getting married, go check out them uh, as a potential wedding option as well. Did you have something to add there, Wesley? Yeah, Mike, have you been out to Jan Casca? Oh, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. great. I yeah. was just wondering because I, I was thinking about our SBDC team meetings with all of the consultants, myself oh. included, and I just thought, gosh, you know, we haven't had a team meeting out at Jan Casca, and that feels like a, a necessary next step. You know, it's, it's, it, we just had a team meeting today, by the way, so um, we also – after the meeting, Molly and I, who's my colleague, we talked about, you know, we're going to at least, because of COVID, we've been doing these team meetings virtually. Mm-hmm. But next year, we're going to at least have two of them, and we're also going to do them at the places of our clients. Yeah. So we want to tour, like and that. they were one of our clients. Yes, I like well, that. They will definitely be on our list. All right, let's make it happen. All right. What a great place. It really is. So thank you to Shane Casca uh, for your sponsorship, your belief, and uh, for being an awesome place in southern Minnesota. So... Then you make the venture from Fargo to Minnesota. Not too far. Yeah. Not, How did well, that happen? Not, not too far. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, everything kind of comes down to the family. Um, one thing that really hurt me in 2013 was my mom died of cancer. Mm-hmm. And we were seven hours away. And we were making those constant trips. And my wife, uh, my wife is other uh, Iowan, but she's from Algona. So... Um, it's part of what I would consider the Mankato trade area. Um, you know, when you take a look at KEYC, mm-hmm. Algona is always mentioned. It's just down the, just down the road on 169. So I got to know the state director for the Minnesota Main, Minnesota um, Small Business Development Center, um, Bruce Strong, through um, Concordia College in Moorhead. And he says, you know, there's an opening in Mankato. Would you be interested in taking a look at it? So, yeah, I'll put my application in. And the reason why, um, first of all, I was doing a lot of events in downtown Fargo. I enjoyed the job, but we were doing things like a street fair. And, um, you know, it was a great moneymaker for the organization. Um, I was in charge of a bid team that was doing, you know, street cleaning, power washing, um, getting into those, those type of things. And so it was taking a toll on me physically from the standpoint. And so, you know, I I need to probably take a look at doing something a little bit different because I was putting in anywhere between 10 or 12 miles a day just walking around in a downtown district. So um, Bruce said that Mankato was open, and Bonnie and I kind of talked about it. Her parents were approaching their 80s, and we said, you know, let's go take a look at it. So we came down here. My youngest was going to be a freshman in high school, so we were 
really kind of saying, okay, honey, where, where do you want to? You know, we, we'll look at all the schools, and all the schools are great here. And at that time, she said, well, I like to go to St. Peter because everybody there is going to be new because the high school was brand new. So that's where we kind of ended up at. And it turned out to be a good thing later on because my wife actually took a job in Belle Plaine. So she goes north in the morning and I go south. But, um, you know, it reminded me a lot of Cedar Falls, Wes and Aaron. Um, it's it's that, uh, it had that feel. Um, you take a look at the area here as far as being within the Minnesota River Valley. Um, one of my favorite places in the area is Seven Mile Creek Park. I spent a lot of time there with my, me and my dog Gus mm-hmm. uh, doing some hiking in that area. And, um, and it was closer to home from that standpoint. So we decided to take the, take the risk, come down, be a part of the community. And uh, there's been some challenges along the way, but overall, it, we've enjoyed it um, very much so. So when you came and you did your looking around, obviously you were checking out schools, especially for your youngest. But um, what stood out to you? What were, the, what were the things that kind of helped you go, yeah, we could do this? Well, I think... Number one was the natural beauty. I mean, um, you know, it's 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 in the River Valley. You know, you you <laughs> ever been to Fargo? Um, <laughs> flatter than a pancake. And you know, you take a look around here, and you you can actually have elevations that you could hike, and you can go um, do some great trails. Now, there's one thing I do miss, and I still can't figure this out because when I lived in Waterloo Cedar Falls, I was actually about sixty pounds lighter. And one reason of that, because I rode my bike every day to work, and I, it, the, my work was like 12 miles away. So it was 12 miles one way and 12 miles back. If I got tired, I would rack it on a city bus and take the bus home. But, you know, I wish I was a bike trail between here and St. Peter because mm-hmm. I think I'd probably be Agreed. a lot of weight. So that's coming. Just yeah, a little, little greater man kid or growth insight. We're, we're kind of collaborating on Good. some efforts to try and make that happen, especially on Highway 22. Good, because so. I don't have grandchildren yet, and I don't want to be like my dad. I want to be around and see my grandchildren, too. Yeah. So so um, I need I need that type of uh, thing out there that says, oh, geez, I'll just go bike in the morning. And one nice thing that we have in the Hubbard Building, which, you know, a lot of people probably don't realize this, but the Small Business Development Center is hosted by Minnesota State University, Mankato. But it's not located on campus or actually in the business community, which I think is just tremendous from the standpoint that, uh, you know, I get my colleagues on campus, you know, they're in the ivory tower on top of the hill, <laughs> but the real business, you can relate to this West there and it's done on the, in the yes. Valley. Right. That's right. Right. So that's kind of the reason why we pulled what, what pulled here, because we wanted to be closer to Bonnie's parents. They were in their eighties. Algona was an hour and a half away. Um, you know, then tragedy struck and we were glad we made the move. Um, in February of 2019, probably one of the worst winters that we've had since we've been here. Um, it was, you know, that 20, 30 below wind chill in the 40 below category that February. My father-in-law slipped on the ice, kind of like my brother, but he did it in good weather season and uh, hit his head. This happened about 3 p.m. in Algona and um, by uh, 9.30 that night. Uh, he was in the hospital, and he had a head bleed, and he was dying. So um, he passed away, and then my uh, mother-in-law, within about three weeks later, passed away of a broken heart. Mm. So we were happy that we were here to see that 
as I said, everything's kind of tied to family. Oh, and that's one so thing sorry. I love about the North is that uh, I know guys like you and Aaron can relate to this. I yeah. mean, work is great. Work is awesome. Work keeps you motivated. Work provides you with opportunities to do things for others. But it's, you know, it's all about family, I think, as far as life and faith. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Yep. I'm sorry to hear that, by the way. Yep. That's, that's crazy. Uh, I always think, uh, how long were your um, in-laws married? Oh, wow. Oh, boy. Um, probably since 1952, I think. Yeah. Right when, the, when he came out of that. He was, he was a veteran during the Korean War, but I don't think he served in Korea. So Gotcha. Yep. It's always interesting to me. Um, well, first of all, you know, you think about people of that generation that are married that long, mm-hmm. right? I, I, you just don't hear... And it's going to be a while to see if the, if people last that long. But the, the marriages that last 40, 50, 60 years, I mean, that's just such an old school thing now. You know, yeah, wife and I are going to be married for 35 years. So Congratulations. <laughs> you know, there's, there's many people I know that, you know, don't even make it five years because somebody changed their hair and yeah. they don't like it and, you know, yeah. this, that, or the other thing. So pretty nuts. But also the fact that you also have a, a spouse that, dying of a broken heart. I mean, that's such a real thing when you're with that person. That's your best friend for so long. It's just crazy to think yeah. not being with that person. Yeah. It's such it's a touching, be. you know, uh, sad, but touching way to go too. I right. mean, geez, anytime you hear that, you almost well, break your own heart a little. You know, they were approaching that elderly age, but you know, you kind of look back upon it. I mean, I was a little bit bitter towards the family, my wife's family, but you know, they don't have to face what we've been facing with this pandemic, which occurred a year later. So, right. I mean, they were at, at that elderly state. I'm pretty sure that they would have gotten it. Sure. So, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it happens for a reason. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So you mentioned earlier too, um, I, I wanted you to highlight the positives of moving to Mankato, but you said it's not without its challenges. Can you talk a little bit about the challenges? Well, you know, um, the one thing when I look at things as far as uh, working in different communities through my career, um, you had different individuals that had passion in different things. You had people that were passionate about downtown development, um, you know, in, in, in Waverly, Iowa, my first community was Kathy Falkert's in Waterloo was a guy named Dave Van D. In Fargo was a guy named Mike Williams, who was a city commissioner. City commissioner in North Dakota is also known as a city councilman here in, in Minnesota. But those individuals are the ones that uh, really help with the uh, kind of point with the direction that you need to go and putting together these new organizations. Um, and what I mean by that is an organization that's focused on doing different things. Um, so from downtown development, to Convention and Visitors Bureau, through economic development, through Chamber of Commerces. And uh, this is the first community that I've been in where the, where the Chamber of Commerce and Economic Development is under one. And, you know, it's under my belief as far as through the communities that I worked with through the years is that, you know, that's great. It's, it's, it's cost effective and things like that. But, you know, are we, are we really doing anything justice from that standpoint? Does it water it down? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. I think from my perspective, I think it does a little bit. Is there, and you know, this is a difficult one because you're still in this community, but is there any examples that you have that you feel comfortable sharing? 
Um, well, I mean, there's there's multiple different different communities that still have their separate entities, mm-hmm. um, and I think that you have people who are passionate uh, at the board level and things like that that I think are able to do things, but able to do things within what I call uh, are able to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's important when you have those directors, they need to get together and they need to work together as well. Right. They need to see each other at least on a, on a quarterly, maybe a monthly basis to coordinate things. And even the board chairs need to do that as well. Yep. But I think it's better to have multiple different types of uh, organizations because I think you get more accomplished over, yep. over, over the long term. So, Well, there's certainly a clearer mission. Yeah. And there's not as many pulls, right? Right. So right. I can agree on that level. I think... You know, obviously, Mankato in general is doing quite well as far as business development and growth, and our Very well. employment level is is really rocking the nation. So, there's a lot of kudos yep. to give there's, to there's, the current there's, efforts for sure. But at the same time, could it be better? Yeah, <laughs> you don't know. It's always the conversation. I mean, I mean, you you don't know. I mean, from the standpoint that uh, you know, when I look at downtown development, you know, I, I mean, you guys pulled what Mason City pulled, and that is. The urban renewal project mm-hmm. that uh, you know maybe didn't live up to what it was supposed to live up back in the seventies and eighties, right? But um, you know, um, getting a focus. I, I, I'm a big believer because I'm a downtown guy. Is that as long as you have a strong town downtown, you're going to have vibrancy throughout the entire community. You know, from that standpoint. Well, and we can get into that a little bit more when we talk future planning. But before we do, I just want to make sure that we fully cover the current role right. with SBDC, just because there's so much good work that I know that happens at that level and, and you and I both work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's probably a good number of folks that have heard us talk about the SBDC and have right. no freaking idea what we're talking <laughs> yeah, about. Yeah, it's kind of a monster, isn't it? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So as the the right. regional director for the South Central Region of Minnesota. Why don't you give folks a little synopsis of what yeah. is the SBDC and what do we bring to the table? Yeah, basically the Small Business Development Center is a partnership of the community, the state, and the Small Business Administration. Um, they fund it from that perspective. Um, and there's multiple funders here within the communities. There's counties, there's cities. There's also the university, which is very involved with it as well. And uh, what we do is we help a lot of existing businesses as well as people who are thinking about starting a new entrepreneurial development uh, effort in um, making changes within their business or helping them in starting a business. So uh, we provide uh, free consultants. So if anybody who's thinking about uh, kicking around and have an idea, be it an invention, be it a uh, business idea, I would uh, recommend that you go to our website at uh, myminnesotabusiness.com. In the upper right-hand corner is the Apply for Services tab. Fill out the information there. We'll sign a consultant to you free of charge, and we will help you evaluate your dream or help you to take a look and see what's wrong with your existing business and come up with some maybe some new ideas and new concepts for you. And folks probably don't even understand who we serve because you think small business development center, you might think you know a startup business, you might think 10 or 20 or even under 100 employees, but right. the federal level really defines it as under 250. No, actually under 500. 500! Yeah. I set them up perfectly for that, didn't yeah. I? Yeah, <laughs> you did. Nailed you did. it. Great. You did. And we yeah. have, we've had some great success stories here. I mean, I mean, I think you guys probably worked with the SBDC at one point in your careers as well. You know, one of my good friends here is Doug Farforth with Blue Star Systems. And talk about a story that started in somebody's 
basically garage and yeah. now they build these huge generators for hospitals, grocery stores, cellular towers, things like that. And they do it right here in Mankato. Yeah. Employing uh, a quality workforce, just build a brand new facility in the North Mankato Industrial Park. $13 million for 85,000 square feet in North yeah. Mankato in their industrial park. And really a great story for folks that don't know it. Go and check it out check out connect business magazines um profile on doug but hopefully we can get him on the podcast too i know he's a yeah, listener he is so a listener so if he's listening to this episode he's, he is one of my along with you two <laughs> he is he is one of my uh favorite entrepreneurs in the region as well yeah so. really good guy i'm yep. actually going to go tour blue star on oh, good. monday nice. so he sent me an invite and i i took him up on it so all right Set the That'd stage for me to bring our team there from the SBDC to do a meeting. Oh, that would be good. Days. Yep. Yeah, that so. would be good. I'll mention that to him. Okay. I was going to ask you, Mike, uh, is there a project you're uh, personally most proud of, you know, with the, the different areas you've been from Waverly uh, to Waterloo to Fargo to here? I mean, is there is there some sort of revitalization project? Obviously, you're... Uh, like you said, your extensive background in small business development, downtown revitalization. There's got to be... I mean... First of all, what's what's your favorite? Do you like small business development more than downtown oh, revitalization? Wow. Can you pick? Are you do you lean one way over the other? I know they're kind of they're connected. Uh, they're yeah, connected in a way, yeah. but which one's your favorite? What do you like? You're a downtown guy, you said. So yeah. I'm thinking you mean that. Yeah, I like downtowns. I okay. hate to say that. That's kind of in my DNA. Okay. Um, but I also like the small business aspect. Uh, sure. You know, one of my favorite small businesses here in the Mankato St. Peter region is at River Rock. Um, I also love the Coffee Hag, um, Mom and Pops. I spent, as you guys can probably tell, I spent too much time at Mom and Pops. So but good. What's your favorite ice cream? They are awesome. Oh, I like anything with cherries in it. Do you really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's so a good choice. Yeah. That's, that's, that's pretty I'm cool. I'm a fat Elvis fan. <laughs> <laughs> Peanut butter? If that wasn't <laughs> obvious. If you yeah. couldn't have guessed, folks. <laughs> fat Elvis. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I can also go for you know some chipolas or some... What, what do we call those things that you're playing? Oh, he doesn't even know. He's just <laughs> he's just trying to give me a shout out now. That was cheap, Mike. <laughs> She's Cholito. Cholito. Yeah, there, there we go. go. There we go. <laughs> well, hopefully you're going to be adding soft soft shell tacos. That's right. Yeah. That's coming real soon. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. So, and also need to buy some. I love your shirt there, Aaron. Thank it's you. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. He has some shirts that's similar. They look like he bought them from you. I don't know if he <laughs> did or not, but he's got the same sense of style as what you guys sell in the store. You so. just come on in. We'll take care of whatever All you right. need, Mike. No All problem. Right. That's great. Uh, going back to, though, I mean, so obviously you said you're a downtown guy. Uh, right. You love that. Obviously, some local businesses you mentioned. Yep. But is there a project, you know, and it doesn't have to be, obviously, you're based here for the last five and a half years. But, I mean, wherever you've been, Waverly, Waterloo, Fargo, all the all the like, but a project that just sticks out and you're emotionally connected to that. It's just you know the downtown revitalization. Yeah. You made a, a bigger difference than maybe a different community. Yeah, um, you know, and in in one thing that I've been able to do is really employ some interns. So I I I've you know been successful because I've surrounded myself with good people as well, and I did that in Fargo. And one of the things I'm most proud of there is getting the. Uh, the uh, business improvement district, getting the property owners to agree that we're going to tax ourselves and we're going to hire our own basically security force, our own maintenance force. We're going to work with the city. It created some great relationships with the city so that they didn't feel like they were basically being over consumed with everything. What was the tax? Like what was the amount? 
Um, you know that, that psychology. I, I'm just very interested yeah, in what that took. Um, it's it's a hundred square block area. I can mm-hmm. just give you. I, I can't recall what the tax would be on a on a typical twenty. You know, when you take a look at a downtown district, you have your twenty foot bay, two stories, going back to about anywhere between sixty eighty feet. Mm-hmm. Um, probably collecting anywhere between one hundred and twenty five to two hundred dollars a year based on an assessment. So it was based on the property itself. Right. Okay. Yep. yep. Interesting. Yep. Okay. So um, that's not too bad, though. No. And like I said, we had zones. So yep. that was zone A. Once you get out to some of the smaller zones, it was down to maybe like uh, eighty to one hundred bucks a month. Okay. So, oh, per month. I'm sorry. Per year. Okay. I was yeah, going to say sure. per month. Not, now, not, now we're sorry, talking a little year, different. Per year. Per okay. Year. All right. So. But security and and kind of maintenance, cleaning, that type of thing? Because yeah. I, I'm thinking... I mean, they didn't replace the police department. One thing that uh, in Fargo's situation, they had a they had downtown resource officers. So basically the school resource officers, they had uh, um, officers that were assigned to the downtown beat, and they worked closely with the downtown neighborhood associations and, and our organization as well. And they were there basically to kind of be extra eyes and ears. And gotcha. they had... Uh, Radios and things like that that they could, if they need to get in touch with the PD right away, they could. Well, I just imagine some of what's happening up in the the metro in Minneapolis, yeah. and I mean, there's a lot of businesses up there that have either a shuttered, yeah. or b if they're still open, it's because they've hired private security themselves. Yeah. So I would wonder if something like an improvement district would allow them to be able to kind of collectively hire security in that same. St- same Nicollet, Nicollet has a downtown improvement district. You know, we had a colleague today, and I know that you're a part of that virtual meeting who works in downtown St. Paul, mm-hmm. and he said that the Skywalk system there is pretty much deserted. Yeah. So, you know, that's also a, a, a big concern as far as, you know, I kind of look at the next avenue for downtowns to reinvent themselves and to basically be what they were in the turn of the 20th century. There was a lot of housing downtown. Sure. Uh, there was a lot of people that worked and live basically within blocks of each other. And I see some of that kind of coming back as well because I think, you know, we all kind of live in that virtual world on a day-in, day-out basis. But we also like to congregate. And I think uh, being within walking distance to a, a nice uh, brewery or a nice winery or cidery or or something, coffee shop, I think those are important social aspects that we need to retain within our communities. So you guys ready to move downtown? Ooh, <laughs> there it is. There's the pitch. There was a time that I was, I was ready to buy a condo if there was a proper condo, but there just wasn't condos for the yeah. longest time, and now there's a little bit, but yeah. still not a lot. No, no. You know, as far as business aspects, you know, just, just – uh, uh, Seen a guy that expanded this restaurant from Grand Forks to Fargo it was pretty cool and helping him kind of doing those projections. Um, you know, several businesses here that I've had the opportunity to work with. Um, I mean, it's just, I mean, you know, I might complain that sometimes we don't, you know, we're a little bit uh, um, disorganized and things, but everything have a tendency to kind of come together because everybody wants the same results. And I'm not the type of guy that wants to check boxes or have somebody sign a form. I want to develop a relationship with them and make sure that we're providing them with the services that they need. Right. You're talking businesses. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you came to this community in 2017. Yeah. And you've been doing the SBDC for, gosh, this is over 
we're coming up on five plus years. Yeah, at this five point, plus right? years. Yeah. So what uh, what specifically have you worked on here that really has made you most excited? Well, I think from the standpoint that. Um, you know, we, we tried early on to do a business succession program mm-hmm. and, you know, you were a big part of that called BizLink North. And I still think that there's opportunities for us to do some things with that. Basically what BizLink North, it's an online place where colleges can come together and, and uh, promote the site. And we would have uh, vetted uh, businesses that are ready to retire and hopefully hopefully draw some of those uh, alumni that might have moved away from the region and from the state back to the region and the state with the hopes of purchasing uh, a long-time business within the community. Right. I think that's important. Um, I think that's a thing that's been a positive. One of the things that we're working on right now, Wes, is, uh, that you're aware of is um, um, doing it with uh, in conjunction with Greater Mankato Growth, also with the, the Greater Mankato Area Foundation, uh, which they've been tremendous to help us so with this is kind of developing an entrepreneurship development pathways program, which uh, this next year we're going to offer a extensive, it's for adult learners. It's a non-credit program, but it's from the Kaufman Foundation, the people that do 1 million cups called Fast Track. And that's a 10, 10 week program where you're going to actually put together a business plan, prepare for a business pitch and be pitch ready and plan ready and one of the things that we're trying to do, and we're doing this in conjunction with the Mankato Area Foundation and GMG, is add a twist to it where at the end the participants will be presenting a pitch to those that actually have resources. So it will be like Region 9, um, the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation, and some potential local angels and other investors from the region as well. No, I think that's really smart, and I'm glad that that's happening. Because one of the things that we hear locally, and I'm sure you guys hear it as well, is we don't have any angels or we don't have any venture capitalists. Like, Mm -hmm. no, we have them. You know, then you talk to the people who are willing to do these type of things, and it's like, well, we need to have people come to us who are better prepared. And that's one of the things that we're going to start doing in 2023. Well, it's a chicken and egg situation, right? I mean, the the venture or the angel folks want to have deal flow. They want to have businesses that are ready to be invested in. That's what deal flow is. But then the flip side is, is that the small businesses want to have angel money, but they're not always ready. And so you've got this, this problem of which one is going to be there first. And really you're right, Mike, we have a lot of folks that are ready and willing to invest it's just not necessarily the proper deal flow to have an organized, uh, you know, group of angels or venture capitalists, but there could be. Yeah. And I, I think that this is a nice little step in the right direction on that same front. Yep. And I like the fact that it's a resource based too. It's yep. not here. We're going to dangle a big chunk of money at you and then watch you take that and squander it or hopefully be successful with it, but right. we're actually going to put resources in front of you and put the connections in front of you to be able to be successful yourself. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, and, and, you know, we, we, we kind of talk a little bit about this on occasion. Sometimes we get too complacent here in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I think from that standpoint that, uh, you know, I, I, I think one of the hardest jobs in the world is a city administrator. You know, when I took a look <laughs> at my friend Todd, Todd Prefke up in, up St. in Peter. Uh, St. Peter, I'm like, geez, how do you do this? And he'd been doing it for so long, but, but, uh, you know, sometimes it's, and this is what cities want. This is what elected officials want. They want the solution come from the private sector because they will become involved with it, especially if it's private sector driven. 
And yeah. I think that this is an opportunity as far as creating that organic um, type of environment doing entrepreneurs and potential investors and see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's going to be fun to see it happen. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it, whether it's through the educational yeah. part or honestly, I, I want to talk to the rest of my team up here at OMG and see if we can't come to the table when it comes to the resource side. Sure. And see if we can't commit to offering a certain amount of resources to right. whoever right. actually decides to go through that process and, right. and hopefully win it. So. You know, and, and, and one of the things I like to see with the long term as far as happens here is that um, Sioux Falls has this, Fargo has this, um, you see uh, parts of Minneapolis, St. Paul have this, but you know that, that I call it the, the, that Zoomers, Gen Z, and the Millennials um, driven um, type of uh, entrepreneurship program in Fargo is called Emerging Prairie. And this is something where local investors have been able to get behind. And it's a powerful tool. They do their one million cups. They, they've kind of gone to a thing called the um, um, Startup Brew. Um, but they do TEDx talks. And, I, you know, those are the type of things that make a community exciting. And I think those are type of things that you can create those private sector um, um, partnerships along with the public sector, be it the cities, North Mankato, Mankato, St. Peter, and the universities. So not just Minnesota State, Mankato, but Bethany, um, Gus Davis. Yeah. And really make it a place for those graduates. Hmm, you know what? Instead of going up to the cities, I think I'm going to start a job here and maybe start a business here. <laughs> well, I'm going to get critical for just a second, and sure. I'm going to let you jump in if you want to, Okay. Mike. <laughs> All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> so the, the governor, Tim Walls, has uh, put out a program called Lynch, Launch Minnesota. And my perspective on this program is it's a lot of great intent with not a lot of teeth, right? So uh, one of the more recent arms of what the governor's approach is, is let's, let's try and make sure that venture capital angel investors have a little bit more of a pathway to invest directly within the state of Minnesota. And so recently I've had some conversations with um, some folks that are participating within the Launch Minnesota program about angel investing within the Mankato community. And the consensus is there. There's investors. There's folks that have money that would be willing to jump in. There's just not necessarily the deal flow and let's let's construct some sort of organization or framework where that deal flow comes from i'm curious as someone that's very heavily uh involved within the sbdc small business community specifically but also has experience in the incubator space um what are your thoughts as far as what the best approach is to try and and facilitate deal flow to the folks that obviously are interested in making investments or at least are open to the idea of it. I think it's a great idea. Um, mm-hmm. From the standpoint, I, I, I have uh, nothing but admiration for Launch Minnesota, but I think Launch needs to look at things differently in greater Minnesota. We are mm-hmm. different. Yeah. Um, one thing I don't want, Mankato, North Mankato, and St. Peter, New Orleans, Wasika Region B is another Minneapolis because we are unique. Right. Okay. Um, so we need to kind of identify as far as who we are and we have those resources here. Right. I think just, as I said, um, Nancy Zellick with the Mankato area foundation has been such a help with us as far as getting the key players, the key people who are, you know, there's, there's entrepreneurs who are very successful in this community that, that 
they want to. They see the need in putting something together to help that next generation of entrepreneurship. So I think in some respects, the greater Minnesota region has a tendency to be compared to um, um, the metro. And it's like, well, you know what? Things are a little bit different here. And I think that sometimes that has a tendency to kind of get lost in our... I mean, when we talk about economic development in the state of Minnesota, one of my colleagues up in St. Um, St. Cloud states where the we're the state of 10,000 economic development organizations. So yeah, we do have a tendency and I stated earlier and how oh, we yeah. should be separate and how we should do things, but we should be a little bit more focused. So, you know, one thing I would love to see as far as launch Minnesota, and they're, they're both located within the department of employment, and economic development is more coordination and more collaboration between the two organizations, because I can see the SBDC providing that learning component Mm-hmm. Um, especially if we do it at a statewide level. I mean, we're one yeah. of nine SBDC regions. Yep. And as far as I know, we're the only, the only one that's going to be doing this kind of fast track program with the resource tank. I think it's a great idea for the rest of the state. And uh, I think this is a great way as far as preparing those future entrepreneurs or current entrepreneurs who can become business plan ready and business pitch ready. And we can put them in front of those folks that are involved with Launch Minnesota and say, here they are. Here's what they need. So when you when you look at the, the current state of things, you don't necessarily, or maybe you do, you know, fill in the blank here. Uh, do you see that there should be an angel network specifically for Mankato? Do you think that there should be a venture fund? Uh, because I, in the conversations I've had, there's been kind of mixed reviews as far as what should be the organizational version of how this should move forward. There's there's plenty of individuals that are willing to come to the table in varying degrees. I what think, does it look like? I, I think what, what there needs to be, there needs to be a door where people with good ideas or where people that have that business plan or have that pitch that's been well vented by organizations like the SBDC and maybe other other economic development agencies within the region that say, you know, hey, I got something here from John Doe or Jane Doe. Go to the door. Sure. Here's what we got. You know, create that, uh, you know, we, we, we call it fast track and um, the program that we're doing next year and kind of create that uh, long track. And what I mean by that is get them involved within that network mm-hmm. of, and they're, they're, they're angels, but they're silent angels. Oh, yeah. Um, that, but that's okay because that's the way they want to operate. But see where we can go from there. Um, you know, one thing I might've gotten off track on this earlier, but you know, there are different entrepreneurship organizations. When we talk about entrepreneurship back in my day, back when I started this career, it was all about, uh, we call them smokestack chasers, you know, communities were throwing incentives to get Saturn to build a plant in their community. What happened (laughs) to Saturn? Okay. Um, now many communities are looking at entrepreneurship as being an economic development tool where in the past entrepreneurship was kind of, that's cute. That's small business. That's really cute. But Mm. a lot of communities have been able to build. I mean, one of my friends, Doug Burgum, you know, up in Fargo, great planes software now purchased by Microsoft and he's doing bigger and better things. We got plenty of entrepreneurs here. I mean, look at Glenn Taylor, look at uh, Angie's kettle corn. Uh, Those are just part of our community, which have, uh, you know, there's that DNA is here. Oh, it's yeah. just that we need to create better pathways and we need to create some, some more 
doorways yep. so that we can match those next generation of entrepreneurs with funders. Well, the folks that uh, don't know that are listening, you think about the major corporations that are in Man- or in Minnesota specifically. I mean, you you think about United Health Group, right? Uh, Best Buy, um, help me Target. out. There's, there's Target. Target. Yeah. All of these businesses they were started here. They didn't yep. move here. They didn't go. Oh yeah, Minnesota's a great place yeah. to do business. I'm going to pick up shop and move to Minnesota. Right. And those are just the publicly traded ones. You think about the Taylor Corps and yep. the Cargills. They also were started here. We're Land we're, Lakes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And so you've got so many entrepreneurs that have started major corporations, employing tens of thousands of people, and they started here. And they were once small businesses too. Exactly. And, and they. I'm, I'm looking for that. Auto Media Group Tower to be built for the next decade. <laughs> <laughs> well, th- thank you for that. Thank you for that. And it would be wonderful if it did. But my big point of emphasis here is no one's moving here that has that title. They're yeah. not. And it's unfortunate. I, I wish it was the case. But no one that fits that mold is moving here. And it's you partially know, you know, because of the climate, yeah. but also because it's just, uh, and I mean that both. I mean that both from a weather standpoint, but and also business. from a business standpoint. I mean, right. we have number two, number three, depending on which organization you're looking at to rank it, the number two or number three corporate tax rate in the nation. But just yeah. in general, it's not always easy to do business in Minnesota, and no. so let's recognize that. And if we want businesses to grow and develop and further this state's economy. We need to do it organically, and we need to do it here. It's got to be homegrown because yeah. no one's moving here. So yep. organizations like the SBDC are doing extremely important work, and we need to make sure that we're supporting that every step of the way. Well, and I want to take it to the next level, too. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm really sincere in saying that to you who are entrepreneurs in this community and also those that are within the community because I see a bright future here, and I also see uh, basically entrepreneurship being – what it was at the turn of the 20th century. Mm-hmm. So I think we're going to see a lot more of that happening over the next decade or two. Amen. 2020, SBA, Small Business Administration, recognized the Mankato SBDC with the Center of Excellence Award. Oh, man, do we need to talk about 2020? I know. A it's, a ter- it's, it's a tough, tough and a terrible and a year that we'd all like to erase out of our journals, diaries, I tell and you, our Aaron, minds. Uh, there was that two-month period in, in April and May where I had some... I had some pretty long-time businesses here from our region that were calling me crying over the phone. This was before all the programs were starting up. What do I do? And it's like, geez, you need to do a cash flow report weekly, you know, daily if you can, to see what you can do to kind of connect the points. So, um, yeah, that was a tough year. But go ahead. I didn't well, I just you. wanted to talk to you about that year, just, you know, obviously being as tough as it was, but still um, getting recognized for that Center of Excellence Award and, and kind of the process of that that year and getting into some details right. about businesses that were contacting you and going right. through tough times looking for support or guidance uh, had to have been pretty challenging. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I think one of the reasons why we received that award is um, – in, in general to the community that we're in. And what I mean by that is that we have a lot of supporters. I mean, we have supporters at the county level, cities level. Um, you know, we get funding from communities like uh, St. Peter, like Nicollet County, Martin County, um, Fairmont, um, Wasika, Wasika County. And, you know, from the university standpoint, one thing I like about 
being hosted by a university, especially Minnesota State Mankato, um, is that they're not afraid to take risk or do things differently. And one of the things that uh, uh, we have been able to do as far as working with our colleagues at the, the Strategic Partnership Center is obtain a close to a million dollars uh, grant from the Small Business Administration uh, for the um, it's through a community navigators program that the SBA is piloting. And our focus is basically food and agriculture. So, you know, what's more in, in, in our region right. than food and agriculture? That's the basis that we're built upon. And um, this is a great program as far as getting all those, you know, I call them our colleagues, so like Green Scene, um, other different organizations that are involved in that and working with them and uh, working through the SBA and providing additional services to, to small businesses that are focused in ag and also in um, food as well. So that's, that's just a great thing. But getting back to awards, um, I contribute that to a great network as far as the communities, the supporters, and also consultants like Wes here, that uh, they're the guys that basically do the work. I have to, you know, I have to kind of, kind of work with my colleagues from the university and how can we float this cash cost center to this cost center and can we move this over here and over there? But it's guys like Wes and other um, SBDC consultants that are doing the real work and helping the businesses in our region. I laughed for two reasons. One, because I'm doing very little work in comparison to the rest of the team. (laughs) Yeah, well, you're busy. But two, because it hardly feels like work. I mean, so much of it is, is, and I think this is true of most of the consultant team, but we really enjoy working with entrepreneurs. I mean, if you're the kind of person that steps into that role, you're generally someone that enjoys working with dreamers, visioners, people yeah. that want to do things. And so yeah. it's really rewarding. Yeah. I mean, I'm working with a client right now and I and signed a release of information for him. So I can, you know, it's pre- pretty much out there. It's called Paddlefish Brewery, opening up a new brewery. The first one in St. Peter. And these are a bunch of Gus Davis graduates that are, you know, they like to make beer and they're looking at seeing what they can do locally to grow the hops, to grow the grains and produce it there in St. Peter. And just awesome. to see these guys and the excitement that they're generating within the community. It's it's just so awesome to be a part of that. That's so, really cool. Yeah. Can yeah. you give us any information on when that might come to fruition? Uh, probably, you know, I'm going to say probably uh, sometime in spring or summer of 23. Okay. And it's going to be located, a lot of people in St. Peter recall it as being the old Red Owl store. Oh, sure. But it's right across the street from Domino's Pizza. They'll have a spot okay. there. Nicollet County Mall. Yeah. So it's yep. on 169, yeah. so it's very right at the easily corner accessible. Of, yeah. Well, I'm thirsty already. We might have to make a trek over yeah, there, Mike. I know. I know. You, Wes, and I, whoever yeah, else wants to I join know. us, I we'll make it happen. I think you guys could probably get Eric here for a future podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Great. Paddlefish Brewery. Yep. Okay. Looking forward to it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So five and a half years with the uh, being the regional director of the SBDC locally, obviously you're, you're a guy that you said you've had seven different roles, <laughs> right, in your in your life? Seven yeah. different roles as far as? Doing downtown development. Downtown also development. Doing small business development. Um, is Mike going to leave us or is Mike going to stay? I don't know. I mean, five and a half years. question. If, oh, you're going to stay. <laughs> if, you think, if you think about the you know, that downtown, there, you know. That downtown like, itch is kind of getting to me again. Yeah. Stop it. 
I know, I know. You can do it here. Yeah, I want to do it here because I think there's a lot of things to do okay, here. Okay, so w- w- what does Mankato need to do to keep Mike Hahn here to, to make <laughs> you feel like you're doing enough for downtown Answer that revitalization? Before, before you answer that, I just told Nancy Goodwin in a meeting an hour and a half ago, I said, Mike's here. Don't worry about it. He's here. He loves Mankato. He's not moving. Don't make me a liar. No, I mean, um, I I'll probably will retire here. I'll say that. But I, I want to do something, you know, it, it, okay, I got three kids and one's still in college. Mm-hmm. I would love to be an investor as in, in a uh, fun to do a downtown development project and in Phil, you know, um, get myself in a little bit of trouble here in Mankato. But I think we have, <laughs> we're, we're, we're so car dependent and we're, we're so like, you know, everybody's talking about parking stalls. And I look at the corner of, uh, help me out here at pub 500. It's cherry and broad, right? Uh, South street and, uh, um, pub 500. Yeah. That's South street. South, south front. Yep. South okay. front. South and, front oh, and, oh, cherry. Yep. and cherry. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we have a parking ramp and we have a surface parking lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, wow. Talk about prime locations in your downtown that should have buildings on them yeah the uh cherry street ramp as it's called which is in that i don't know there's history here yes i know so the work on that is gordon (laughs) awesome who's the developer is trying to do a um, hotel yeah but what kind of brand is it it's not a hilton but it's similar to a flag something with a duck in it (laughs) <laughs> oh, uh, Duckwood Inns, or I, I don't know. Okay, but okay. yeah, there's a That'd hotel that's supposed to go above the parking yeah. ramp. So there's still supposed to be some yeah. parking ramp lane, main level yeah. and then hotel above that. But when you get, when you take a look at Old Town, there's a lot of development opportunities there, especially with infill spots. And, so uh, you want to be an investor? I would like to be an investor, but also be in, involved in changing, you know, um, people's idea. I mean, it's pretty easy to drive 35 sometimes 45 miles per hour on a four lane and not see anything but i think we have some assets here in mankato on both the north side and also on the other side of the river here which if we just polish them a little bit and do some things differently wow it would be awesome here and it would be our own we're not going to replicate minneapolis st paul fargo sioux falls or any or rochester it's going to be our own. And I think we can do that. I really do. Well, I think Belgrade and Old Town are probably our best yep. opportunities because yep. it seems like downtown Belgrade is really awesome. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, when you take a look at the lower north and the neighborhood connectivity, one thing I would love about, uh, in fact, I would, if I could talk my wife into it, um, I would love to one day be able to walk to work and live in one of the surrounding neighborhoods. Yeah. And, um, because that's the way it should be, in my opinion. Right. Well, Aaron and I have looked at doing something on... Um, Good both, for you guys. Both Old Town and on Belgrade. Yeah, uh, get you guys off of Generica Avenue, right? No, 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 no. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, that's not what we said. We like Generica Avenue. We're going to edit that out. We're plenty of money on Generica <laughs> Avenue. We want to do a third thing. <laughs> on he not really doesn't like Avenue. Madison Avenue, does he? Yeah. Well, <laughs> and hey, let's talk about that for trees. a minute. Do you want some more trees there? Oh, Madison Avenue? Need? Yeah, what do you need? Oh, wow. It's the lack of walkability that the strong yeah. town folks are, yeah. are passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't blame you, but at the same time, the reality is, is there's lots of people willing to drive. And, and, so, and we are a regional retail center from yeah, that standpoint. Big hub. Yeah, but yeah. I think, you know, when I take a look at River Hills, I mean, at, first of all, I think, Mankato, um, 
you know, um, um, when I take a look at Kurt Fisher and what he's done with uh, Madison East and his group has done with that. It's amazing. It's, it is amazing. Have you guys been in there recently? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. I it, have not, but it, it's I've, awesome. It looks great, and I need I mean, to step foot in it's there. It's a medical it's a office educational complex. The Fisher Group is a client of mine, and I'll just say, for folks that haven't paid attention to Madison East, I mean, that used to be the yeah. retail spot of Mankato before Sears. River Hills came mm-hmm. along, and now it, it's supposed to be a dead mall, because yeah. that's what almost every other mall that yeah. was the retail spot is now yeah. but in reality they've taken it and really made it its yeah. own thing i mean it's amazing the medical the educational yeah. yep. uh, it's it's Dispensary. really impressive. yep what and, else we and, got going on to add an addition to it it's not just that they've used the existing space but and, and i'm old enough guys I, I used to come to when i lived in mason city it was kind of an annual track to come up to mankato to go to either the mankato mall or go up to minnesota or mankato state at the time to watch the vikings Sure. And I remember going through the old Mankato Mall yeah. and downtown. And I think there was a J.C. Penney's in there. And then there was Shields, also Shields was in there at yep. one point. I mean, that's where they, yep. Yep, they were. And, 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 and the city's done a good job as far as making something a little bit different. But I think it's ready for its next evolution, whatever that would be. Because I think, uh, I mean, my, my, you know, Mason City's pretty similar to this. They got a, I call it a... Multi-million dollar road closure barricade at the end of their main street, which is Federal Avenue, which is called South Bridge Mall. And they've done some pretty nice things to it differently from the standpoint that they've been able to turn the JCPenney store into an indoor ice arena. Mm, that's cool. So those are things that I think that would be things to look at. Do we need another sheet of ice downtown? I don't know. But I know <laughs> they're looking at it for the Shopco store, at least putting a smaller. Yeah. Well, uh, it's happening. Which is great. It's yeah. definitely happening. Here's a question for you, um, because I genuinely don't know. What does someone with your philosophy look at a Madison Avenue, because that's the corridor we're really talking about right now, and say, this is the natural the natural evolution of what that should become? Because in reality, it's doing quite well. I mean, the mall itself, let's let's put that as an outlier, because yeah. malls are, are generally different. But yeah. the rest of the businesses along that corridor, J. Long, Zans, uh, many They're other doing businesses well. are doing quite well. Right. The traffic is strong. Yep. Businesses are doing well. So what do you look at and say, okay, this what? would be a way to evolve it and continue that success, but also do it yeah. in a better, more economically sustainable way. And you guys are natives. And one thing I, I look at when I drive up on Madison, especially when I get past the victory going east, the speed limit goes from 35 to 45. Was right. that once a six-lane highway at one time? <laughs> no. Okay, okay. I just it used wondering. to all be farm fields. I mean, even where well, Zans you know, was, was, was farm was originally built for, uh, was there like a divided highway with a... Mm. Okay, okay, all right. No, I think it was just a county road. I think, um, I think the next evolution, you know, lifestyle center, and what I mean by that is um, seeing maybe things, the sidewalks becoming maybe larger, retaining the parking in the front like that's part of that uh era of development mm-hmm. uh more bicycles more pedestrians um you know um maybe in the future mankato will become a little bit more dependent on transit sure. um but you know more uh transit lanes along that corridor especially for uh what i would call express type buses well here's what i'll throw in is is that to your focus area being the downtown or old town area i can also see more residential development especially in those especially along the outside of the mall sure well that that makes sense and that's a national trend too but 
all the dollars, if you want to look at grant funding, you want to look at state, federal, all the dollars are focused elsewhere. I mean, there's there's very little for a Madison I, Avenue type project. Yeah, I think that will change. I, I hope do, so. I do think it will because change. Because there's a lot of, I mean, Jay Long's, you've done a wonderful investment. And Sands yep. is a great example. And there's many yep. businesses like Sands that have been operating for decades. And there's no programs. And I don't need a program. I have plans right. to, to do my own things. But, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities if you're a downtown business. I mean, you can take it from the total redevelopment front or you can take it from as small as we've got planters and we've got artwork and we've got all kinds of things that are totally separate from us that are funded by City Center Partnership, City of Mankato, Twin River Council Arts. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that are pouring money into those areas to make them as as successful as they are, not even counting the millions of dollars into the Civic Center. And what that is forcing into that particular region, there's nothing, nothing for Madison Avenue, and it's succeeding completely on its own. So, hey... Let's take a second and give a little kudos to an entire oh, yeah, region yeah. of town that's self-sustaining. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I think from the standpoint, once again, I give kudos to Mankato. We're doing something with the Shopco store. We did something with the Lowe's store. Private development dollars. Yep, private development dollars. Um, you know, I think the next big egg to tackle will probably be because, unfortunately, the, the, the company that owns River Hills own Southbridge Mall in Mason yeah. City, Iowa. Yeah, and that's a tough they're one. They're not what I would call very progressive developers. They don't play the game. No, no, no. They're just milking it. Yep. So uh, there probably have to be something that will be done in the future. I think within that area, which I think provides more opportunities as well. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what the mall does over the next ten to twenty years. Also, and, I think it'd be kind of, you know, at least I'm going to be interested in see how 169 along the. The corridor from For sure. West 14 to south of town of how that's going to develop because I see that as an area that could be, I mean, when you take a look at it, that was kind of Mankato's first sprawl. Mm-hmm. So there's some things that really need to be done differently there. Well, it's the entryway into town. Yep. So what's your yep. first perspective when you come to town? Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Very but cool. I tell you, when you go up that hill on 14 over towards from Mankato to North Mankato and back, what a great drive. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. I mean? especially in the fall when the leaves yep. are changing. Yep. Man, yeah. pretty. I, I, I tell my friends that I have, because I live in St. Peter, I have probably one of the prettiest commutes in the nation. Yeah, it's so, beautiful. Yep, it, it is. is. It yep. is gorgeous. Yep. We have some really great communities surrounding Mankato. Um, we do work better as a region. Yep. I will say that. But I also think that uh, each community should be who they are. Um, you know, you look at New Alm. And their German heritage. You look at St. Peter. Uh, I mean, it's where I live. Sometimes I get a little like, geez, there's a lot of occupied vacancies along Minnesota Avenue. Mm-hmm. What can we do differently? You yeah. Know, everybody looks at me. Geez, I would love to slow the traffic down. Like, what? <laughs> on, you're stupid. But no, I think it could become uh, another uh, very simpler, very, very sim- similar to Front Street. It could become that other cultural uh, entertainment type of district with more housing down there. And I think you're going to see more of that. Wasika, when you take a look at some of the businesses, especially in rural businesses like Half Pint Brewery. Mm-hmm. And, awesome uh, place. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's on a gravel road out of nowhere. And you go there and it's a great spot to have uh, different spirits and everything. And then if you get there on a Friday or Saturday pizza. in the winter months, yeah, you can order from mm-hmm. the pizza farm. 
And I believe also Fantastic. Half Pint. Have you been to Half Pint? I have not been to Half Pint. We should take a little a little date let's, together. Let's do a little yeah. date. I'll have to ask Molly, make sure she approves because she doesn't trust Molly me. Molly can come you. along. Okay, fine. Molly <laughs> can come along. It could be a triple along. date. Uh, well, you can bring Annie. Sure. Why not? Yeah, bring the pup. And then we go to the pizza farm, though, because that's where the animals really belong. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Pleasant you, Grove pizza, pizza Farm in Wasika. Yeah, the, yes. pizza farm, the pizza farm from the standpoint is, I mean, in the winter months, they serve at Half Pint Brewery. They'll still deliver. Yeah, yeah. They'll deliver. So they have a yeah. great, they have great cooperation there. Emily does a yeah. great job. And I believe Half Pint, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, but um, Half Pint is the first, um, was the first or is the first uh, Minnesota farm brewery where they have I'm to grow sure a percentage that. of their hops on their site okay. to get that title. Um, I just if, know the guy came from Oregon. Yes, yep. correct. Yep. I believe his name's also Mike. Yep. Yes. Um, but they've got these, these. it, it looks like they're telephone poles. And they're all like at sure. like a 30 degree angle. Uh, and the hops grow up on these these kind of like wires and then they involve the community around them to help pick the hops during picking see, season. See, I'm thinking 40 years ago if anybody said that we were it's growing, cool. growing um, um, you know, hops hops, or if we were growing for wine as far as grapes in this area, they're looking at us like you're nuts. Yeah, yeah. And we're now doing it's cool. These things. Now yeah. it's cool, you know. Kind of makes you wonder what's going to happen in the next decade or two. Huh? I don't know. We'll all be <laughs> picking our own marijuana place. <laughs> well, but the Here state legislature this this cycle, it's probably going to happen. Pick your buds and hang Why out not? with your buds. <laughs> Our buds. That's Pretty good. soon we'll have another uh, sponsor, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen. Why not? Right? The talking will be a lot slower. But we'll be all right. Uh, you know, on a on another tangent. Sure. Uh, we've asked previous guests, or at least I have. <laughs> And this is a little difficult given the fact that they're technically an employer, but what's your, what's your thoughts of Ed Inch and working for essentially MSU? Um, very similar to you and I, yeah. uh, from that standpoint, um, you know, we are a part, uh, we being the small business development center, a part of academic affairs, um, you know, president inch and our new provost, they've been here for, uh, president inch have been here for over a year um, the provost had been here for about six months, I believe. Hood, right? Yep. yep. What's provost his full name? I'm forgetting his first name. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I I work with for Dr. Terry Wallace, and that's right. Yeah, associate VP, and and uh, she has the one that uh, basically works with some of those uh, high end type people. But um, yeah, you know, um, we're coming out of the pandemic. Um, Higher education, like everybody else, is going to change a little bit differently. Um, I think with the president's inch and then talking with people who were part of the search committee, I I know he has plans for our future. Um, it's just that uh, I know that he's big on regionalism as well, and as far as creating better relationships between the town and gown, between the university and the community. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know... I haven't seen any plans yet, but I anticipate that we'll probably see some in 23. Well, you were on the hiring committee for President I Edge. was, and then I got COVID. Oh, so you're going to cop out. I, no, I, I, I did cop out. <laughs> I had to cop out because... Uh, but did you did you interview the current no, president? No, no. So you I, can't take any responsibility. I can't take any responsibility for That's that. That's a smart man yeah, right there. Yeah. No, I, I think President Inch is, is doing a, a very... Nice job so yeah. far, and from what I've heard from other folks, it seems like he's 
got a really good head on his shoulders. He's got right. a nice trajectory right. long term as far as the vision. So you know, one thing one thing I would like to see the university become more involved in because we're an applied science um, university is that um, you know where where I came from and also at North Dakota State I wasn't employed directly with them, but um, at University of Northern Iowa was, but at NDSU worked very closely with them. And they had, like, these business and community services divisions that mm-hmm. were uh, kind of their own separate external services department, very similar to strategic partnerships. But they had more of an economic development, more of a community development uh, focus, mm-hmm. where I hope that becomes something which we would take a look at within strategic partnership and, and having that help the clients, uh, basically the businesses and also the communities as well. Is that something that uh, the president has to okay and sign off on? I think it's president also thinks that it has to be something which will probably have to be approved by the by the Minnesota State Board as well. So okay. those are those are decisions beyond my pay grade. So I mean. we'll get President Inch on the podcast, <laughs> and then after that, do you know Tim Ibish? No, I do not. Okay, so Tim just recently got a port, uh, appointed to the Minsky Board. Oh, and, oh, he's the gentleman that works at General Mills, right? Good call. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I know who he is. Yep. Yes. Yep. So he's a friend of mine. And he's, yep. uh, gosh, I can't remember his title, but he's he does a lot of IT work with General Mills. And he's high. I've met him on occasions. He's a very intelligent man. Very intelligent. Also hyper very intelligent. Very, um, I mean, he's very passionate about Minnesota State Pancato. Super. He's the, the he's got like um, a lifetime appointment to the board. For the the foundation, yep. for for MSU specifically, yep. so uh, we'll have to try and get him on the board just, or just on the podcast. on the podcast because he'll be a great interview in general as far as his experience. But also, it'd be great to get his experience, especially now that he's been recently appointed to the Minsky board. And maybe we could bend his ear and say, "Hey, what do you think? Is this a possibility? <laughs> make a little make a little action happen, huh?" Here we go. There We're we not go. opposed to making action happen through the yeah. podcast. So. Yeah, I mean, from 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 the standpoint. Um, you know, I think it's, I think it's great that the university has a presence in the central city and the business core, but you know, I, I mean, this is always seeing the examples and seeing how the young people kind of provide that uh, sense of synergy, especially within a area that needs rehabilitation and development. Um, it should be nice to see a college located downtown and create some type of a transit system there. That that would be my dream. Well, I think there's something about the livability of having college students downtown in general. And so, and I think the economic development aspect of what the SBDC could do or what the university could do downtown would also be mutually beneficial for the community. And a lot of the efforts that we're already trying to undertake, we just haven't quite opened our eyes to. So it would be cool to see happen. Yep. Harvard on the Hill. Yeah, that's what my business partner called MSU when he really? graduated from there with business management major. That's what my best friend said too. That, that you did it, <laughs> yeah. did he, Alex? Yeah. Alex, Alec, said it. Alec. Yeah. yeah, and then my business partner uh, Matt Long also said that uh, it, called it, MSU Harvard on the Hill. Well, it's got a great following and also <laughs> great rating. Mike's trying to come up like, with yeah, excuses. Sure, uh, for sure, that. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, of course it is. <laughs> they say it is. Uh, they signed it, my check. It, w- it would be. Uh, it would be pretty cool, though, to see some extension, uh, you know, buildings or different areas to to have incorporated downtown. I, th- I can see why that would be beneficial. Yeah. You know, and get students to be uh, traveling down there more and, and livability down there as well. It, it's kind of cool. As I hear you talk about it, and you've obviously been multiple different markets, 
uh, weaving yourself through the Midwest. Um, there's cool ideas there. It's it's yeah, obviously it's going to take a lot of work to make some of those happen and a lot of oh, people yeah. to buy into it. A lot of people to buy into them. You know, one of, one of the things I like to see us do here in Mankato, I've seen it done in other communities as well. I've seen it done in Iowa and also North Dakota. Um, it's a way to greet new residents, especially mm-hmm. those from the community. One of the things that uh, um, I've seen done is that they create midnight brunches. So maybe the day before the 4th of July or the day before Thanksgiving, you do a midnight brunch and you get the newbies from the community to get together with some of the existing people. And, you know, you, you, you do it in a, do it in a setting that's like, like, like your sponsor, you know, maybe at the Jessica winery, you know, you do doing some things from there, from that standpoint and um, just kind of create that uh, sense of uh, energy and welcoming community or welcome people to the community and, creating some uh, network opportunities there as well. That's a good idea. Are you familiar with the Itasca project? Um, I am not. So that's one that I know this much about. Okay. But I'm a big fan of it at face value. What it is is it's a lot of the CEOs of the Minneapolis-St. Paul area businesses. Okay. So I thought you were talking a Tasca State Park, which is one of my favorite state parks in Minnesota. <laughs> you know, yeah, not quite, but okay. they uh, they treat themselves as a collective organization that comes in and solves problems for the community. Yeah, and so CEOs obviously large checkbooks because they're they're running large corporations. I don't know exactly what the composition of the the group is, but I know that there's certain criteria to meet to be a part of the project. But they come in and they say, hey. This is the problem, and right. we're going to put our heads together as business folks and screw the city, the chamber, whatever else is going on. Yep. All of that is great. Maybe we'll collaborate. Maybe we won't, but we are going to come up with the solutions. I had a conversation this morning with the chamber director up in St. Peter, Italy, and you know we were talking about I'm on a committee that's looking at doing some things with downtown or doing some more promotions in St. Peter. And the question came up, well, what's it would take to get the city involved? And, and Ed came up, you know, the city would be involved, but what they're looking for is the private sector to drive it. And yeah. he used the example of the dog park in um, St. Peter, the the one that's built next to their city facilities um, um, on the north side of St. Peter, where, you know, the city put the fence in, they put the irrigation system in, they gave them the land, and then people from the private sector had to raise funds you know, for some of those other amenities that were part of the park. So I think I, I, I agree with that. You know, sometimes the public yeah. sector, which I'm employed by the public sector, I have to admit that sometimes I'm a <laughs> bureaucrat. But I also think that the best ideas do come from the private sector, but the public sector needs to kind of be driven in that direction as well. Yeah. as a partner. Well, I think it'd be cool, and I think there's a certain number of folks that are already doing versions oh, of that. Yeah, they're definitely. sitting around tables, and they're saying, hmm, wouldn't this be cool? Mm-hmm. And they're floating ideas, and some of it's executed on, some of it isn't. And I just think... Take a look at some of the new buildings that have been built downtown in Mankato. Yeah, perfect example. Some of those folks, right? Perfect example. Yeah. So I think um, it would be interesting, and it will be interesting to see moving forward how that develops alongside some of the other initiatives gmg is trying to harness some of that without being overly controlling which i think is really cool too yep uh facilitating which is i think a, a really strong role yep. for that organization so it will be interesting and I, I think the more folks come to the table and actually take leadership roles 
in making changes within the community. Well, I'm looking at you and Aaron. Them. You're the next generation of leadership here. So when are you guys running for office? Mike. <laughs> oh, boy, that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> Mike thinks we have a lot more money and a lot more control than we do. We have microphones, Mike. That's what that's we have. Hey, isn't that all you need in today's world? <laughs> well, that's what we're trying to do, folks. We are trying to press the message. But outside of that, you know, we're, we'll get there eventually for sure. But yeah, you guys uh, will. Yeah, I'm, I'm very confident in that. Thank you for it's that. It's good community. Appreciate it. It really yeah. is. It's yeah. fun to do the work. So, so question to you guys, please. Okay, my first community, which was Waverly, Iowa, it, very similar to me, well, conservative German Lutheran. <laughs> um, they accepted me in under five years. So, you guys have been lifelong residents of Mankato. How long does it take? for somebody to be accepted within the community. In Mankato, you're already one of our own, and we don't awesome. want to let you go. Awesome. Yeah. It was evident from both of our questions. We don't want you to go <laughs> okay. work on someone else's city development okay. or downtown development. I was so. going to say, I was just going to give you an answer. I was going to say six months. Good. You know, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's less than that. I think there's just a different vibe here. I think it's, it's here. proportionate to the ratio of how involved you get. And, Mike, right. you've been super involved. So it's, it's not a question of when. You've already uh, I been wish, adopted. I wish I had more time to be more involved and i would like to do more things at the at the local level and maybe even at state level as well yeah i think we gotta bring we 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 are it's awesome here i'll just say that well that's good i feel that i love the four seasons by the way when people were saying (laughs) it's fun oh you're gonna love the winners i said you know where i'm where i came from (laughs) (laughs) well there's nothing wrong with having a retreat either i'm a native and i'm i'm thinking about texas florida i'm looking at like a little place to get away for a couple of months so but but some of this some people consider this the banana belt of minnesota you know Banana? You have to explain <laughs> that for me. The banana belt. <laughs> what does southern, that even mean? Southern Minnesota. Southern so you're Minnesota. saying it's a little warmer the than northern. The you northern get it? Oh, banana. You know, the river. The, you know. Yeah, yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Banana belt. I have heard that like once. I'm glad I heard it because we're confusing the, first the shit out of West. That's uh, nope. funny. Nope. The banana belt. That's funny. Yep. No, it, it, it is something about Mankato that. Uh, that brings people here, but also retains people. Um, yep. Even if they decide to leave for a little bit, it seems to oh, yeah. people, people seem to come back. There's, there's a sort of friendliness to it. Uh, you know, Minnesota. Um, I always, I always kind of go back to the whole uh, Prince quote too, uh, that I still love. Uh, and obviously yep. Prince lived in Minneapolis and one of the greatest musicians of all time, depending on what you believe. But oh, very much. So. I, I, would, I agree uh, with you on that. Eric. Thank you. Yep. Uh, and a great, I'm an eighties child, if you remember. Amen. So, um, and, uh, obviously a wonderful sculpture. I don't know if it's still downtown. It was purchased by, I believe, uh, Jane. It's still, it's still down there. No, it's Henderson. Henderson. Thank you. Uh, which was part of the, the, um, the art sculpture, city art walking city art sculpture walk. tour. Yes. Okay. With, with, which is the Mankato area foundation, right? No, Twitter. look at me go. <laughs> You've gotten everything wrong. City Center, right? <laughs> City Center partnership in collaboration with Twin River Council for the Arts, which forms one organization called City Art. Nice. Which they do Thank an you, awesome Wes. job. They Thank do. you, Wes. Yep. They do really and good. And I apologize to those who are listening that I totally butchered that. It's all good. Regardless, back to Prince. Uh, he was saying uh, that the reason why he loved Minnesota so much because they were saying, like, you're, you're famous. You know, you're a famous musician. Why the heck don't you live in L.A. or New York or one of these big, you know, metropolises. And he just said, uh, you know, the cold keeps the bad people out. He'd say that, you know, I'll, I'll stay in Minnesota cause the cold keeps the bad. Amen. It's real, more yeah. real. 
So, of course, we have our passive-aggressive tendencies at times, but uh, people are nice for the most part. And uh, I've had people that have traveled the world, clients of mine that have traveled the world, you know, all over and outside of the country as well over the last 16 years in retail. People talk to you a lot in retail. They tell you a lot of stories. And they say there's something about the Midwest and something about Minnesota that cannot be replicated anywhere else. So I I would strongly agree. Call me a homer. I am. Yeah. And I see just things getting better from here. I really do from a standpoint that when you take a look at the what's happening, I know a lot of people think that, you know, global warming is not a thing, but natural water, you know, our, our, our soil that we have here in the upper Midwest, I think those are things that uh, we have a tendency to kind of uh, take, kind of overlook today. But I think in the future, those are things that we're going to have to kind of say, what can we do to conserve this? And what is it that we can do to make things better in the future? Sure. Aaron, my friend, you have a final five. I do. Final yes. Five. I think now might be a good time, Mike. Are you ready for sure. what is called yeah. the final five? Whatever's left in that glass, Mikey, man, would just swig yeah. it yeah. down. Do you, do you want a, a refill? No, Are you I'm ready? Good. I'm good. <laughs> You'll be fine, Mike. I promise. Don't sweat. Oh, I'm not. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not too bad. We're building it up too much. But at the end of every uh, Get Deep episode um, for the first year, hey, by the way, folks, those of you who are listening and maybe even watching now because we have uh, video set up uh, along with the Get Deep podcast uh, audio, but at the end of every episode for the first year here, we're coming up on uh, almost exactly a year, Wes, we do a something called Final Five or a Fast Five. We call it more Final Five now because it's not so fast. Nothing we do is that fast. Uh, but it's at the end of an episode and we, we throw a call, you know, three to four to five questions at, uh, people because sometimes I can't count and get to the five. So Mike Han yes. or Han, it seems Han. to be that your, your friends call you and people that know you yep. in a, a more personal way. Yep. Um, what does your wife call you? Mikey Pooh? Side note. Uh, Michael. Okay, she calls you. I thought that was just when she was mad at you. No, it's it's pretty much all the time. So okay. she's mad at me all the time. Well, <laughs> <laughs> <That's laughs> marriage. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> all right. Question number one for you, Mike Hahn. Uh, what would you call, or what would you name as your greatest strength? Um, I think it's an art that's kind of lost, and then just basically being a good listener, um, just sitting down and kind of. Uh, listening to people's issues, listening to their problems, listening to you know, kind of digest what is it that they absolutely need the help in. Um, I know that this morning I was in a meeting in St. Peter and we were talking everything about, oh, it'd be great to do these events. It'd be great to do, you know, something like a you know, redevelop a second floor. And it's like, uh, you know, second floor buildings into apartments, historic buildings into apartments. And it's like, geez, folks, we need an organization here first. You know, we need to kind of take a look at it and do things, as I stated to you earlier, Aaron, do things in increments. So I like the impossible. Um, so if somebody gives me a challenge and say, hey, um, we did this back in 1989, but we haven't tried it again, it's like, why not? Let's do it. Let's yeah. see what we can do. So yeah. I say being a good listener is one of my, probably one of my... Um, my wife wouldn't say this, but probably one of my best uh, attributes. <laughs> Selective listening. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, that yeah. is a real thing. Yeah. I, I can have Wes go in and talk to her, and that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't hurt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Question number two. 
dream job. Oh wow! You're here now. You've been multiple places, yeah. but let let I mean, what Great is question. some place that's just been like, oh man? If nothing else, you know, kids are grown up doing their own thing. Everybody's <laughs> taking care of her. money. Isn't an issue. Money What's, is an issue. Money isn't an issue. What's the dream oh, job for my man. con? Um, I wish I could be like Doug Bargum. And I mentioned him on many of occasions. He's the governor for the state of North Dakota. I don't know why he got into politics, but he's been able to do things with his wealth um, as that has been able to transport, trans, uh, pose a, a um, industry, or I mean a community, and, and an industry being um, mixed-use developments within downtown Fargo. And if I could do that maybe at a smaller level by being an investor, not now because I still have a daughter in college, but maybe <laughs> down the road in Mankato, I would love to do that. Um, I still rent. It's it's been tough to find some place to live in this area, and I would love to do a development that includes a place for me to live and my my wife and I to live as well. Cool. It's totally, totally something that can happen. By the way, I know. And there's some folks that I think both you. And yep. I know that could make that a reality. So I know. maybe we'll I know. just talk a little bit offline. We will. Yeah. We will. Be cool. Okay. Question number three. Yep. What does Mike Hahn do on Sunday? Um, That's a good question. That is a good question. Well, I'm a faith person. So um, number one is uh, kind of taking the day and kind of uh, – be thankful for what I have in this day and age. Um, uh, my greater family being my my siblings and my parents and I, we've had some issues as far as with with substance abuse. And there's even been some of that in my family, my, my immediate family. But, you know, one of my proudest things is being faithful to my faith. And um, I have a wonderful son that's been rescued. Uh, is just doing awesome things in Omaha with an awesome fiance. And uh, that's my greatest success, Aaron, right there. Amen. So I love that. Yep. So it's family, it's relaxation, it's yep. it's being grateful. Yep. You got it. I love it. Yep. Question number four. And I think you may have answered it already, but if you could narrow it down to one thing, um, what's Mankato's biggest need? Biggest need. Um, could be, be anything. Could be, be a restaurant. Could be a oh, concept. Could be uh, a. He's going to make it a lot more tangible than what you were going to. Okay, okay. You go ahead and go whatever direction you want to go. Whatever direction let me lead I you. Go. Just, um, tangible is good, Bo. Yeah, no, because literally some of the folks that listen to this yeah. might be able to make it happen. Yeah, I want to see the right type of development along Riverfront all the way up to Mass. And I'm not saying that it needs to be zero setback, but something that's, you know, one of the things that bugs the heck out of me is, uh, you know, I thought the University of the City put some great banners out there, you know, when you take a look at the, on along um, Riverfront and Madison Avenue, but they haven't been changed in over a year. They're, they're faded, and I think those are little things. It's just little things. You know, we, we talk about in downtown development about the, broken window syndrome yep so you know you get somebody that throws a rock and the window becomes broken and you get a piece of plywood over it and then all of a sudden it just the entire building kind of deteriorates around it and i just think that we need to have a better appreciation i know it takes money i know it takes effort but um 
just uh, be appreciative of what we have and um, let's be who we are and um, let's change banners on occasion on the first first thing and let's let's do the right type of developments that's going to encourage uh, future investment um, in Mankato and then within the region. I know that was kind of pretty can, wasn't it? Not really. Okay. <laughs> no. it, it was open-ended. It yep. was, you know, whatever you, you felt. Yep. Um, image of the city, right? I mean, that's what you're saying. It's yeah. like, you know, people people come here, yeah. and it's the small things that add to the big things. Yeah. And, and, and whether it's you're operating a small business like Wes and I, I do, or you're driving down the corridor and you're, yeah, first, always, always you're in my, town for a volleyball tournament yeah. or a softball tournament, you notice, people notice things. Yeah, I always encourage my small business owners. Wes, I'm sure you do this, and Aaron, I'm sure you do as well. Where do you guys usually go in? You guys go in the front door or back door? I go in the front. Front. Good for you guys. And I stand and I look for a moment. There you go. Because why wouldn't you? Because yep. that's what your customer sees. Because yep. that's the image you want to portray. Good for you guys. Everyone in the office goes through the back door except for me. <laughs> and I'm always bitching at him. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Which you guys, but you know, I got to It's good that at least one person is. Oh, that's, thank that's God. The, yeah. Susie does too. You got you have a great Shout setup here, West, by the way. And it's hard to believe that along Riverfront Drive, along this corridor, Riverfront, there'd be a beautiful office building like this. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate so. that. It's nice up here. We like it a lot. Yep. Question number five, Mike Con. All right. Appreciate your time tonight. No problem. Um, Skydive, swim with sharks, or dark cave walk with bats. You have to oh, choose one. Skydive. That was pretty easy. Yeah, my daughter. Before my daughter and my son did it in Wasika for her 18th birthday, and um, they both did over at the Wasika Airport, um, and they loved it. Um, I would love to do it, but uh, you know, I was kind of aiming for my 60th birthday, which is coming up ah when is it coming Soon. up i'm not gonna say that. come on when's your birthday <laughs> what if you share it. a birthday with one of us well, <laughs> never know it's coming up in 23 okay? okay okay so i would like to do uh um skydive but of course do it in a um tandem format okay. than, yeah uh, of course than a, than a solo format then throw the backpack out and chase after it <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> that's a real thing tom Cruise. I mean, obviously people do that but man that freaks me out i don't care if you done it 500,000 times you throw a backpack backpack out in front of you and you dive after it so so that a little is bit crazy of, to me so a little bit of the reverse role here sure where do you guys see Mankato being five ten years from now I'll start with Aaron man five ten years from now well um I I do really appreciate what the attempt is and what they're trying to do with Riverfront I think it's I think it's admirable I think it's smart I do um, and what I mean by that, for those who are listening, I'm sure most people understand, but trying to make it more pedestrian friendly uh, down there so people can stop and take a, a few seconds longer to appreciate businesses and not have to worry about getting their kids run over by traffic. I get that. Yep. I also get the other side of it where people piss and moan about you know slowing down their commute 30 yep. seconds, a minute, two minutes, whatever it may be. So I think sometimes in life you have to realize that slowing down isn't a bad thing. Okay. Um, and, and so there's the balance with that, right? Sure. Uh, even though I live pretty fast-paced most of the time, I feel like. <laughs> so, But I also think that there do, does need to be reinvestment into the Madison Ad, Madison Avenue corridor, like Wes said. I would agree. Um, I honestly hadn't thought about it that much, just being so ingrained in our business up there on Madison Avenue with Jay Long's for the longest time. But as I've had conversations with Wes and other people, 
it's like, yeah, well, why aren't there more dollars being reinvested up in this particular area? I mean, there, there's a ton of tax revenue that gets generated from that particular area. So why which, which not? Which is kind of curious. What, what, how would you like to see it reinvested? What, what you know, would you like to see? I, I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm not really exactly sure. Wes, it looks like you've got some ideas, but I, I, I don't really know. And I don't want to be one of those people that just says things and then doesn't have ideas. Right. And so I haven't thought about it as much. I think... To, to finish my statement before Wes takes over, I, I do think what they're doing in, uh, on Riverfront is great. I think it's smart, and I think, like you mentioned earlier, Mike, uh, a lot of cities and towns get revitalized from the downtown out right. most of the time. So I think it's important, but I think there's a way to also spread the love. Yep, I would agree with that. No, that's a good summary. I was going to say something along the lines of, um, I think the downtown has been a great, focus and I think there's been a lot of mission oriented work to make it the way that it is and I think that that work will probably continue to a certain extent Um, but I think it's going to expand a little bit there's more of a sentiment around holistic community development now than there was 10-20 years ago and so I think Madison Avenue but also just the greater community in general is going to see a little bit more of an interest. It, I don't know how much because it really depends on the city and it yep. depends on the government organizations, but there's a lot of business owners ranging from the hospital all the way down to the small business shop that's saying, Hey, you know, I've, I haven't gotten a single dollar, but yet I'm, I'm paying every single cent of my way along the way. Uh, so I think Madison Avenue in particular doesn't need an absolute reinvention of what it is, because in reality, it's not going to become a downtown. It's no, not going to become no. a walkable space. It's just not going to be reinvented. So what it needs is, is it needs blight dollars. Yeah. There's a lot of properties that need to be updated that just haven't been updated. Yep. And there's a lot of businesses that have been there for years that probably could be better served elsewhere, or at least self-sustain elsewhere and other businesses move in right and that's a process that takes place over years and we're talking about transitions of generations but i think that that process can happen on madison avenue specifically because we already have a really good self-sustaining tax base of businesses that are there sure so i would love to see some blight dollars invested specific to that particular area and say hey whatever the business is whether it's retail, automotive, um, you know, there's not, uh, it's it's mostly on the retail or the, the hospitality space businesses up there. Let's just reinvest. Let's make sure that things are looking to a certain standard. Uh, and, and that'll be great. I think to answer back to your question about what do I see for the next five to 10 years, I think 169 is obviously on the docket. And we've already touched on that in this conversation, but that'll be another one that, not only will there be government dollars involved, but there will also be private development, development dollars involved. Right. And there's already plans in in the works for certain properties there. Right. But I think we'll be surprised by some of the other random pieces of property that will be scooped up by developers and completely transformed yeah. into something totally different than what we've seen before. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things, and you guys didn't touch base on this, but one of the things I think that uh, communities, and I know that the... the Four communities that I lived in have the same situation. They turned their backs on the river, and I think mm-hmm. there's and, and I think we've done a good job as far as creating trails. But I think there's things that you can do, like yeah. removable flood walls and things like that, in which you can create that a congregation can, can kind of get the community yep. 
I mean, the 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 river riverfront park that's been mm-hmm. done down here is yep. awesome. But there's some work that's being done right now, or at least discussed, right, on the quarries right. that tie yep. into the river, and I think that's going to be really transformative to the, the city in general. But really, that old town. Association continued is what I'd call it because it's either going to be a mixture and it probably will be regardless, a mixture of residential and retail. But how do you incorporate the river? I mean, an ultimate solution would be, Hey, let's take this entire quarry and make it a great wolf lodge river water park, right? Like that's a, that's an easy slap in solution. Let's make it entertainment. And it would probably be great, but there's also some people that have some more sophisticated viewpoints of let's mix in some some living, you know, let's let's put in some housing, let's put in some retail, let's add in some unique destinations within this. Maybe we're adding there's already a lake, so let's add in some waterfront features there, let's add in some waterfront features to the river. That'll be really interesting in the next five to ten years for sure. And it, get that trail built right, Russ. Well yeah. <laughs> but it's probably more of a twenty year vision. Yeah, I know. To be honest, because yeah. it takes a long time to get approvals, get dollars, and then actually see it executed and then other private dollars come to the table 10 years is the start 20 years is probably more of the the finished end of it so so you have two children Aaron I do you see them staying here the next generation I would think so but what an interesting question uh yeah my son is two and a half years old and my daughter is nine and a half months so um gosh I haven't really, I'm just trying to get through the day to day right now. Mike. I, I mean, as, as so many clients say so often, we're in the thick of it, you know, um, as I was sharing a story about trying to get here tonight, you know, with the challenges of bedtimes and yep. young kids, I don't know. I haven't really thought that far ahead on it. Um, my pat, I, you know, I have a huge passion for this community growing up here and graduating from Mankato West and, you know, leaving for a bit to college up in Duluth and then coming back and, um, the community here is great. It's super supportive. I think people, if you know, it sounds so cliche, but I think if you have a vision and you work hard at it and really network yourself in this community, uh, the community will support you. Um, I think too often my personal view is, um, that you get business owners that try something and they try to open up a business, but they don't totally connect themselves in the community. Even if they're local people, or maybe they're transplants, Mm -hmm. but they, they try to open a, uh, you know, a place, sure. whatever it may be. And the problem is, is that just because you put a sign on a building and you um, offer some product, whether it may be good or it may be average, the fact of the matter is, is if you don't get out there and you don't shake hands and kiss babies, yeah, right? You don't That's do the relationship you, building. You don't do the work. You don't do the relationships. You don't network. Yep. I'm sorry to say, but you're kind of asking to fail. Yep. Um, and if you don't fail without doing doing those things, then, then you're lucky, you know, and that can sometimes happen. But, um, I think that you really have to put the time in and and boots on the ground and you gotta, you gotta grind for a little bit. Uh, and I think this community supports it and they love the grind. They love a good story, a good success story, but you have to put in the work. Sure. So with your question, um, yeah, I think our family's going to lay roots here. I think we'll probably have a, ca- a cabin up north and um, and whatnot and embrace the Northwoods and do all that, but um, we'll see. We'll see where the future holds and if they're going to get into business, whatever they get into. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my youngest, who's 19, 
one of the things that she wanted to do was goes to University of Eugene or University of Oregon in Eugene, Oregon. So we went out there and checked it out. She fell in love with the place, but as soon as I saw the saw the cost, it was like, well, you know, let's take a look. I know you don't want to be close to mom and dad, but we'll take a look at other options. And she's fell, you know, you talk about the Mankato connection. I mean, the president of uh, Winona State University, where my daughter goes, is originally from. You know, he he was a provost here at Minnesota State Mankato. Yep. And she fell in love with that campus. So I got a feeling that even though she tells mom and dad she's going to go someplace out west, I got a feeling she'll stick around here. Well, that was one of the things I was going to ask. Your oldest would have been, what, 24 when you moved to Mankato? Yes. So what was your vision or what what did you think about your kiddos and where they were going to settle? And did it turn out? Yeah, it did. I thought he was pretty much going to stick in uh, Omaha. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a group of friends in Omaha. Um, my daughter, my oldest daughter, who is now 24 but 19 at the time, um, she loved Fargo. Yeah. And I knew that she was going to stay up there. Sure. And what she is up there, you know, the, the youngest was kind of, uh, she's uh, very independent <laughs> and um, has a tendency to be, kind of thinking like her mom that she wants to do her own little thing here. And, and uh, she says she threatens us about going out to the West coast, <laughs> but uh, she'll, she'll end up someplace in the great white North as I call it. Very so, nice. Yep. I like it. So I appreciate you guys uh, providing me with that uh, just input as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate the question. Yep. It's interesting to get thrown back questions yeah. our way, you know, so yeah. you did it. Good. You did it, and I liked it. Keep us on you our know, toes. No, I do have a journalism minor, so. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It might be 40 years I love old, it. but. I love it. <laughs> One of the questions I realized I forgot to ask is this. Sure. Uh, when you look at the leadership of Mankato, and I'm putting this very broadly, right? So you can incorporate the city, right. mayor, manager. You right. can look at the university. You can look right. at yourself. You can look at uh, GMG, whoever you want to look at. Do you think that we have what we need right now? And do you think that we need more of something? Like, what is your opinion from the different communities? Because you've got a very vast array of Midwestern communities that you've been involved with, and you've probably crossed paths with a lot of really great leaders. What do you think is missing right now? And where do we get it from if so, yeah. I don't know if we are missing anything in your opinion. But I tell you, the, you guy, the guy who's really made an impression upon me as far as leadership is Doug Burgum, mm-hmm. um, the guy from the private sector who is now governor in the state of North Dakota that says, you know what, um, I'm going to invest in the area that I love, and I would love to see somebody here locally. We, and we have some. I'm saying we, we, we have some. I get it. But taking it to the next level. And um, kind of uh, really making, um, you know, I always use the term, you know, entrepreneurship, uh, especially if it's private sector driven, is something that's that's, in my opinion, is 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 just very genuine. And if we could have that economic development emerging prairie as i called it up in fargo and in they have a program in sioux falls and also minneapolis as well but but where it's private sector driven we're having a speaker from the taylor 
um, holdings, Andrew Herr, uh, talk about b- b- behind the success. And But here's a kid that had a great idea. He was going to college in Pennsylvania, and a angel from Minnesota thought it was a great idea. And basically it was turning byproducts, things that waste that were being thrown away, into a protein base um, f- food element for other type of pets and animals and things like that. And, um, you know, he at a million dollars initially, he was basically flying back and forth between Pennsylvania and Minnesota and um, graduated from uh, his university in Pennsylvania and then um, had the gall to go back to Glenn Taylor and say, you know what, I need another million and Glenn kind of, according, this is the story I got from Andrew, said, yeah, okay, I knew you were going to come back and ask me, and I'm willing to do it, and has turned it into, was able to sell it uh, sometime in the late uh, 2010s at about uh, 900 million plus. Wow. So you talk about a return on investment. Two to 900 yeah. million dollars. Yeah, and I see a gentleman like Andrew that could, you know, um, I, I, he's taking on a new role within Taylor Holdings. And, uh, you know, like I said, he's like you guys. He's the future of entrepreneurship for this region. And I sure hope that uh, guys like him, like you, like, uh, like Doug from Blue Star System, um, say, hey, you know, we really need to take a look and see what we can do to generate more entrepreneurship. Because, um, you know, the, the, the knight in shining armor, Back in the day when we used to throw incentives like GM to build a Saturn plant in our communities, it's not there anymore. Um, we have to do things from within, and we also need to be cooperative, and we also need to be – we just need to have a sense of respect um, for for what we need to do for businesses. It's like – you know, you're right, Wes. It's like uh, when we take a look at Madison Avenue and when we take a look on top of the hill there, yeah, you bet. That is our next urban renewal area over the long term, and there should be some things that should be done in unison as well. When it comes to Andrew, I don't want to steal the Behind the Success series. Yeah. So I will say after he's spoken, yeah. do you think he'd be open to being on the podcast? Because he oh, would be a great story. He would be awesome, yeah. yeah. I, I would I would plug you guys any day. Appreciate so it. I also got Appreciate some, that. I also got some Tom Clements would be awesome. He's in the entrepreneurship. That's a very good one. With the College of Business at uh, Minnesota State Mankato. And also, I think, uh, Ed Lee, uh, who's the Chamber of Commerce Director. Ed Lee's kind of a... I love Ed. He's red hair. <laughs> Eddie guy still looks like he's a teenager, but he's my age. And, uh, and he's been around the area for a long time. I know working for newspapers in New Ulm. He loves Chilitos, so I'm a big fan. <laughs> there we go. Lure him in, Wes. That's right. Lure him in. So he could, Just have a trail of Chilitos as he comes yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be here. Yeah. <laughs> no, good recommendations. We sure. should hit up every one of those. I yep. No doubt about it. Yep. So one thing I wanted to do before we ended it was give you the opportunity to plug SBDC, BizLink North, and any other initiatives that you want to make sure that we plug tonight? Well, the things I would like to plug is definitely the Small Business Development Center. If you have an idea or if you're in an existing business that's kind of facing a challenge, give us a call. Um, you know, in this day and age, don't do uh, business development or don't do entrepreneurship in a vacuum. Uh, we have uh, consultants that can help, and they're free of charge. It's a great service. The other thing I'd like to plug is our Behind the Success series. 
in uh, our upcoming Fast Track series with our resource tank. So if you're a emerging entrepreneur, and I describe emerging entrepreneurs that uh, have been in business for maybe six months to maybe two years, if you still haven't caught your stride, or if you have an idea that you're developing that you really want to take it to the next level, take a look at our Fast Track class, and we're going to start that up in mid-February, and you'll have an opportunity to pitch your business to a local resource tank, and that will be done during Small Business Week in May. Mike, thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks, You're guys. a guy with many talents. Uh, <laughs> super lucky to have you on Mankato, and even bigger than all of the business and, and the work that you do in Mankato. You're a guy with terrific ethics and an amazing heart, and you're super close to your family, and I really appreciate that about you. So thank you so much for coming Uh, on the show. Appreciate you and Aaron inviting me. And thanks for being who you are. Sure. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate your time and all your talents. Thank you. Thank you.